Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Papers this morning talk about sundown. The searing heat is finally over. Am I reading something from yesterday or what's going on? Temperatures to plummet. Thunderstorms set to drench parts of our... That was yesterday, I bet you. I don't know whether they're coming late to the party. Um, there was um, a lot of people setting alarm clocks to 3am this morning. The Olympics are incredible, aren't they? They're absolutely incredible. But it's next to impossible to follow a particular sport that you want. I can never find anything when I want to watch it, whether it's live or recorded. It was darn time just... I think every single sport in the Olympics should have its own dedicated channel. So then if you want to watch swimming, you can watch swimming. If I want to watch tennis, I can watch tennis and somebody else can do athletics or synchronised diving or whatever the case may be. You know, it was fabulous as I was watching it. Table tennis. Bloody hell, the speed of the ball. The Chinese and the Japanese. My God, how they even see it is beyond me. But it didn't happen. Uh, we didn't get uh, in the medals. But you know what? Better luck next time for Mona McSharry. She got into the finals of the 100 metres breaststroke and that ain't an easy thing to do. I think she's the second woman, possibly the second uh, person to ever get into a swimming final in Ireland. And have you noticed nobody mentions the other person uh, anymore? But Mona McSherry um, competed last night and of course everybody was hoping the best for her. But you know what? Final in the Olympics. Pretty good by my book. And you know what? There's always next time. Uh, papers this morning, actually, very interestingly, this is something that's knocking around online. Not just here in Ireland, but it's also becoming an issue in the UK as well. Where they are saying, and this is not me pitting one generation against the other, I'm just giving you the facts. I don't even know if they are facts. It could be just rumour. Young people intentionally getting COVID-19 in order to get a COVID digital cert. A number of teens, um, the public health, uh, HSE public health doctors in the Midlands are saying that a number of teens and young adults may have acquired COVID intentionally at pre-planned parties and gatherings, particularly the 16 to 25 year olds, with the intention of getting the COVID and then getting their COVID cert to give them a chance to travel. I mean, aren't people amazing, the things they think and come up with? Uh, But whether that is happening or not, I, I don't know. Mind you, Seamus has a vox a little later this morning from the streets of Cork where one young chap alludes to the fact that he thought about doing it. But 70% of adults, and you need to know the stats, 70% of adults are now fully vaccinated. Um, and of course, the pubs opened yesterday indoors. I don't know whether people expected to be, there'd be an onslaught of people rushing indoors in pubs, but there wasn't. They finally reopened yesterday. Indoor dining as well for the fully vaccinated and those who've had COVID in the last six months with your COVID cert. Um, and you know the deal with regards to maximums and minimums and there's no time limits and, and things like that. Uh, but the papers this morning call it insider trading. I love that in the star today. But the Echo calls it, calls the reopening opening of indoor pubbing uh, and supping and dining as low-key. Uh, and they did a bit of a newspaper vox, spoke to Paul Montgomery. He was saying things are steady. That's Clancy's on Princess Street. Uh, there's other ones as well. But low-key, by and large, no major. I mean, it was a Monday, after all. And the weather wasn't all that great yesterday with the with the thunder shower we had uh, mid-afternoon. Um, but the papers this morning talk about uh, weddings, and rightly so, because a date that's back on the table now uh, for the 100 capacity wedding is August 5th, and 200 brides uh, to be in wedding dresses will march on Leinster House today, try and force the government to move the cap from 50 guests to 100. Are, the, are they on holidays yet? 
at Leinster House. Or the TDs and senators gone on their uh, on their lehen to Sira. But the cabinet is expected at this stage to sign off on that increase from fifty to a hundred. So why did why did Leo Varadkar open his mouth in the first place? Why didn't he just stay stum? So it looks as if it's going to go from fifty to a hundred, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, also, this is quite worrying. Actually, there's a, there there needs to be a high court challenge over the state's refusal to hold a public investigation into COVID-19 related deaths in nursing homes. It could be the case that over two and a half thousand people died in nursing homes. Over half of those at the time who died of COVID were within nursing homes. I don't have the exact stat, but I think that they need to be dragged screaming and kicking to force a public investigation. I mean, we really need that. Um, and I think it's a worry that they're trying to to pardon the pun, bury it. Um, Graham Norton makes the papers this tiny little byline story in the in the Daily Star this morning where he has a go at the virus quacks and he says, I would prefer to listen to a bunch of scientists regarding COVID rather than a bunch of quacks on Facebook. <laughs> he doesn't hold back. But Ryanair say that their bookings are absolutely soaring <clears throat> and they figure 100 million passengers this year in spite of the late start and that's the story that makes the mail today. And talking about things soaring, um, it's very interesting. On the one hand, Cork City Council are putting up your local property tax by 9% because they've got to find more money. So that's on the one hand where they're taking more from you. And at the very same time, the Echo, the Examiner and the Irish Independent all talk about the huge amounts of money that's going to be invested in Cork from a national, from the national exchequer in the next 10, 15, 20 years. 1.8 billion has been earmarked for the city alone and three and a half billion for the city over the next 20 years. Much of that will go on the Cork Metropolitan Area Transport Strategy, some kind of a light rail system. The first one would be Ballancolic to Mahan. So where are they getting all of this money if they need to tax people more? You know, does the left hand know, etc., etc.? Mind you, the examiner this morning says a lot of that would be a new hospital, a brand new transport system. <coughs> this would be by about 2040, uh, issues like that. And they figure that the footfall in Cork City Centre will increase between now and 2040 by 250%. And they figure the population, and the independent picks up on that, that Cork's population will rise by 50% by 2040. Well, if that's the case, they'd want to get building houses, wouldn't they? Of that, you can be sure. They're there. There's also a story where if you have a, a loved one in long term or medium term, but I imagine primarily long term um, nursing home care, <coughs> they, they're encouraging now uh, on a national level to rent out the family home if the owner, the parent is receiving nursing home care and that you won't have to pay any tax on the rent. Um, I may, maybe it makes economic sense. I don't know. Do you know the story of Emma Feheli from Carrigaline? She's been in court, out of court, before the courts for quite some time in the past. She got a suspended sentence there recently. But the DPP uh, appealed the one-year suspended sentence, saying that it was too lenient. It had to do with theft charges from places that she worked in. Johnson and Perrots. Uh, where was the other one? Westbourne IT Solutions and also Rockwell Automation. Um, there was money uh, went missing and she ended up back in court again yesterday because she also handed in fake references to the judge during her sentence on the theft offences and she forged documents that have only now been discovered. Uh, so she's been given a sentence now um, 
she's been given a three and a half year imprisonment with 18 months suspended for two years on the two counts of forgery uh, and two counts of attempting to pervert the, pervert the course of justice. So there's a lengthy court report in the examiners today on that one. And there is another court case actually of interest. Now this is a man who conned... Um, this is a dating website. Um, you know the dating scams that we've been talking about recently? 28,000 euros somebody was stung by a gang of fraudsters on a dating website. In fact, two people were arrested in connection with the fraud over the past couple of weeks. Your man and I believe a woman as well. So that's before the Irish courts. And the life and times of Wayne Rooney. The Red Tops love this, particularly in the UK. Mind you, the mirror carries more saucy photographs of uh, Wayne Rooney um, with these these girls in the in this in this hotel room where photographs were taken. There was also photographs taken of Wayne Rooney at half, Rooney at half past five in the morning walking down a street uh, with the girls, and some punter photographed him. Um, and one other story from the UK. I don't know how relevant this is to us. Probably is relevant to us. Where um, I see that the, there's a town um, called Chelsea on Sea. I think. It's in Devon. It's a resort area of Devon where they literally now have said that wealthy out-of-towners are no longer welcome to build houses or to move there. That all they're going to allow now is anybody in the area who is a full-time resident because people with way too much money are just buying up or building properties in a beautiful part of the world. It's a bit like what happened here uh, some years back, wasn't it, where you had to be local to be able to build in, in rural Ireland. I mean, rarely enough you'd see a holiday home being built. Uh, but we have those kind of uh, we have those kind of restrictions, don't we, in many county areas, which is rather annoying, actually, for young people who want to move back to where they came from and build. But rural Ireland makes the papers today in more ways than one. Uh, because Pat Short has announced in The Sun this morning that he would love to bring back Kilna Scully. I would be delighted with it. I know my son Luke would be over the moon. God, we loved it. We were one of the 700 viewers who watched it each week. We were one of the 1 million people who tuned in for the Christmas specials. And we want Kilna Scully back. Um, as to whether he would change the cast or what he would do with it, I have no idea. But he says he'd love to do it. He says he would incorporate some kind of a new cast, maybe also using, obviously, the um, the, the very, very well-loved characters that were in it uh, over the years. I don't know whether or not uh, Dunbelievables would ever come back, but Kilna Scully back on our television sets, all day long we'd sit and watch stuff like this. What do you have, Liz? Um, two schnapps. We don't sell crisps. Um, uh, two bellies with ice. You'll have to go to the lounge for the ladies' drinks. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. We have no bellies, we have no ice. Uh, well, in that case, uh, we'll have two of your small Guinnesses. Yeah, please, sure. That'll put hair in your chest. Blackcurrant, please. We have no blackcurrant here. Just two of your small Guinnesses. And I'm making pints, Jaxie. Guinness never tasted right out of a girl's glass. I love it. I mentioned, you know, with the pubs opening indoor yesterday in rural Ireland, I'd say there was a lot of those kind of chats and crack and catch up with people who hadn't seen each other for, what is it, 457 days or something? Anyway, just a clip from the great Kilnus Cully. And one other thing then that may interest you, and Jez's tempers were raised this morning, I can tell you, in our office, there is a new survey out of the greatest breakup songs of all time, lads. The greatest. Um, and I'll give you... 
I won't bore you with the top 20, although they're very good, but I'll give you the top 10. These were voted as the greatest uh, poll of 2,000 adults um, who listen to music for um, pleasure, um, picked the top 20 breakup songs. So in 10th position, counting to, although one that makes number 11, I think, is the one I would have personally chosen, Etta James, I'd Rather Go Blind Than Lose Your Love. Or at number 14, Oasis, Don't Look Back in Anger. But both of those got knocked on the head this morning when I wanted to play either or. So the top 10 in in descending order. Adele, Someone Like You. Carol King's It's Too Late. Al Green, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart. Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Roy Orbison's Crying. Fleetwood Mac's Going Your Own Way. I thought Brenda was going to have a heart attack this morning when I said, nah, we won't play that one. Um, That was her chosen one. Bill Withers, Ain't No Sunshine. When she's gone, Seamus's choice. But I decided instead to go with the number one. And this pains me in the heart because I absolutely detest it. Kind of one of those songs where the men would stand away from the dance floor and women would dance in groups, um, possibly with handbags in the middle, <laughs> dancing in circles. Glory again as it will survive. It's made even worse by the fact that that is a particularly nasty, nasty version of the song as well as everything else. But Glory again as I will survive. There's a top 20 online. Check it out for yourself. Of course now you agree with me. I really should have played, away, played Oasis. Don't look back in anger. Don't you agree? The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter <laughs> at Neil Red FM. Well said to you, Miss Sullivan. Fair play to you, Neil. An awful song and an even more awful version. Well done, kid. Well done. <laughs> Don't worry, Brenda. I'll give Fleetwood Mac a spin before midday today. Put an even bigger beaming smile on your face. Go your own way. Be the Mac attack. Uh, lots of texts from yesterday's programme regarding indoor and outdoor and whatever the hell you're having yourself let to the day, the 26th of July, be the day that our people and our state failed us. Uh, do not, as you've been calling it, Deliverance Day, call it Discrimination Day. We will never forget it. It shall go down as the greatest failure of democracy in our history. And it will not be taken lightly, uh, says James. Another one, would anyone know of the vaccination card given showing the two shots for indoors for people who haven't received the vaccination cert, especially in your local? Do they accept it? Um, as they must know if it's your local, that you're the person on the card. Well, we checked with the VFI this morning because I'm not whether I have a call on this, but I certainly have an email of somebody who has refused entry to a bar when they had the vaccination card. You know, with the details of the two shots, they were refused entry. And that is acceptable. Uh, publicans are supposed to accept that card or the vaccine cert or the proof of the blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, lads, the pubs have been clamoring to open now that they can serve large percentage of their clientele indoors and the remainder outdoors and they're complaining about taking names and checking IDs come on most pubs in the city do that as a matter of course Uh, as for the suburban pubs it's not ideal but come on let's just get on with it and stop the negativity yeah an awful lot of the city pubs and the the rural pubs and suburban pubs ask for proof of ID anyway going in don't they particularly the late bars the only reason wet pubs were closed for so long was because they taught they thought that alcohol-related incidents would clog up, clog up the A&E. Then they saw what this did, what uh, that did with drinking outdoors and suicide rates going up. Um, it was pure discrimination against our social classes. One rule for one and one rule for another. I hope you can follow that one. Uh, there's a big problem now developing, not just uh, here, but also in the 
in the UK uh, with regards to, um, I'll come back to that in a minute, the divide and conquer is what I'm staying with now. Um, this is more to do with the street parting. Neil, divide and conquer, that's the cohort that are going to cause another lockdown, you said. Seriously, isn't it obvious that the government of the next lockdown already planned? They intend to control, divide and conquer. We're all heading blindly into a totalitarian society. You think a few negative reports about drunk people is news, but protests all over the world here is not news. Interesting on how the emphasis is on bull S, says Kathleen. Well, I can follow most of that. I did say yesterday that when the videos go around of huge groups of people gathering, say, in Dublin or Cork or Tralee or Limerick or, or Galway, um, those things are seen by people who make decisions in Ireland. And if the numbers start to go up, the positive cases, not the deaths now or ICU, but just the numbers, they'll panic. And the panic will be helped by the big groups of people that we saw, of course, on Oliver Plunkett Street. I use Grafton Street regularly. And last week, there was a young boy putting Dettol along half the street where the tables and chairs will be. The smell was so overpowering. The other half towards the or South Mall, there's a dreadful... Sorry, when I say Grafton Street, I'm talking about Grafton Street in the city here in Cork, you know, the laneway, um, because it's been used for urination, defecation, and for heroin use. And then they say they put tables there during the day. And the other half towards the South Mall, there is a dreadful urine smell. I have to hold my nose passing that area, says Michelle. Morning, the guards have the powers to move people on. If they refuse, they have the powers to arrest on our streets. If they just exercise this power early in the evening, it would set the tone for the rest of the night. As the crowds see the guys doing nothing, then the boldness grows till you get this snapshot of kids getting out of hand. I feel if they want it to happen, they should use... Um, Actually, I think the point here is that uh, maybe we needed more guards in town on Saturday night early. Um, and others are saying that the buskers don't help. I lived in France for over 30 years, felt much safer living in the uh, in in the hood there than living in Cork. Uh, I'm terrified walking in the city. Up to three, four years ago, I used to walk into town with my grandkids daily. Now I don't. It's so sad. We need more guardy in town on patrol, especially at night. And we need to introduce transport police in Ireland on Boss Aaron. And one final one. It is buskers on the streets that kick all this rowdiness off after the pubs and bars close. Can you please stop the hysteria? How many people under 30 died of COVID? How many people under 30 are currently in hospital with COVID? All the 40 pluses have been vaccinated. What's the big deal? The youth have been thrown off. It's a lot of sense in that text, I have to say. One of the problems here in Ireland now, and indeed in the UK, is that uh, there are accusations that the COVID numbers are being manipulated. And they're including people in the hospital figures that aren't in there with COVID. They're in there with something else, but they tested for COVID, but they're put down as a hospital COVID case. Um, and that's not an accurate figure. It's not an accurate snapshot in time. Anyway, that's just a selection of texts from yesterday. On one text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on one 106 But yesterday, for the day that was in it, the first day in months and months and months, and in some cases a year and a half, that you could go indoors for a drink or a meal, provided that you'd been vaccinated. Seamus Whelan's took to the streets of Cork to ask Corkonians about venturing indoors, or they would they prefer to stay going al fresco? I get a lot of pubs and not opening. And I get it that some of the pubs are open. The big pubs can afford to stay outside. It's the small pubs I feel sorry for. I can't do this. Take the old pubs up in Shannon Street. They have no hope in this. And there's a pity, like, there's a great tradition up around Shannon Street there. And I see a lot of people did like going up. The old people just can't go down there anymore. And it's a shame. 
with the numbers that yeah. are rising now and the hospitalizations and the I just noticed just before I came out I just checked the ICU numbers and they're up today again so I just think it's prudent to stay outside I'm going to do it uh, Saturday after next Saturday with my friends they're all vaccinated if I was with people who weren't vaccinated then like I wouldn't go indoors but like it just happens that all my friend group are all vaccinated we're all healthcare workers so I'm going indoors with them I will wait until I get the vaccine I want to get the vaccine, but I can be outdoors as well. I, I, well, I don't think it's a good idea just letting people who is vaccinated inside. We're from the north and we haven't got those yet, I think, in yeah. another week or so. Yeah. And they wouldn't accept your NHS uh, certs that you got no, stamped when you got you vaccinated? Uh, you don't get that no? unless you ask for it. Up at home, you, you have to physically go in and ask for one. Yeah. We've, we haven't had the need for that yet. Yeah. But if we were coming back down, we would certainly do that, yeah. yeah. I can see that you're queuing here uh, for the, the restaurant eating. Yeah. Plan on eating indoors today? Um, whatever we can get. <laughs> like today right. is the first day that you can yeah. eat indoors. Are you looking forward to having the opportunity to do that? I'm liking the outdoors all the same though when we have the weather. <laughs> I don't mind. I Outdoors if the weather is good, it's fine with me. And you don't feel sorry in doing that with the, those that are unvaccinated sitting outside? It won't be long more before everyone, you know, we're... Once we're, we reach for herd immunity, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, we're 80% now, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, we can't be judging others. There might be reasons people can't get vaccinated as well, as long as the vast majority of us are. That's it. Don't mind, to be honest. We enjoy eating outdoors as well. But delighted to see the lifting for those who want to do it. And you wouldn't feel guilty for those that aren't vaccinated? No, I don't think so. I think it's tough for a while, but I think it's 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 the common interest at heart. And sometimes you have to take it until everybody's ready. Are you going to get in here, is it? Yes. Yeah, we are, but we'll be sitting outside. Okay. <laughs> these aren't vaxxed yet, so, or fully vaxxed. So. You could sit at a nice window and look out at them. No, we wouldn't do that. No, no. When we're together, we'd sit outside. We're going to Clancy's for lunch now at two o'clock. Yes. The rooftop is booked, so... We booked the rooftop, but it'll be great enough. It rains, we'll go indoors. Yeah. yeah. And you have no qualms going in uh, uh, knowing that the unvaccinated are sitting outside? No, sure. I mean, what can you do? But, I mean, it's good that people have somewhere to go as well. I hope they all stay open outdoors now for the younger people until they're all vaccinated as well, though, to make it fair for everyone. Jonathan, you uh, managed... Bistro here, and um, I can see that you have uh, customers dining inside. And how is the whole process going for you, the inside and outside? I suppose it's a bit kind of a learning curve now at the moment, just trying to juggle between outdoors and indoors, um, trying to get the kind of staff ratio balance right, and uh, just we've kind of curtailed our menu a small bit just until we get the kind of a rhythm going. But it's um, no, it's been good so far. The weather's kind of went against us today, but uh, the, the people are still tending to be outside. And how are you finding the, uh, I suppose, the new regulations that were kind of put in pretty late last night? Yeah, it's kind of just kind of say, no, kind of learn as we go now at the moment. It's it, it, to be fair, it's fairly straightforward with the, taking the, the the fact that it's only one telephone number kind of speeds things up. So especially we'd have kind of maybe you know tables of four, tables of five, tables of six. By the time you take all the, the necessary details, it, you know it takes, it's a very slow process. But um, of course we have a fast turnaround, so it, it kind of speeds it up. We take the order at the door. By the time we sit down, we have it ready. 
done going through all that process makes it a, little, a lot longer but anyway we'll, just, we'll get there and scanning of the certs did you find that easy the, yeah, the app it's fairly, yeah, fairly straightforward yeah so to, yeah, just kind of first couple of times it just a good a bit of time to get the hang of it but it's uh, no it's working fine Ben Shorten is my name I'm manager here on Clancy's it's been good it's been nice uh, tip away nice now this morning and uh, lunchtime um, our outdoor now is still very strong but um, everyone that has come for indoor dining you know, has been very compliant they've had their certs ready uh, IDs as well and um, we've been able to sit them down and everyone seems happy enough anyone who's fully vaccinated will be able to enter the building and wherever it's not we'd still be able to provide outdoor dining and drinks for them as well also I only have my first dose I was very tempted to find someone to give me COVID for a while though I do want to go into restaurants like, but I, yeah I want, I want to eat inside like mainly so that it's raining and I go out to town and I won't get rained on <laughs> the guy I was referencing there earlier on who said that he thought about going out getting COVID so he could get himself a cert calls, texts and comments on the way after the break call the Neil Prenderville show now 1850 104 106 Red FM unfortunately with a huge amount of rain then yesterday afternoon some businesses got flooded uh, some cafes uh, and one or two pubs apparently including the Perry Street Cafe which is uh, near the Lee got flooded yesterday so disappointing for them mind you I was reading in Cork Bio overnight uh, that the Harp Bar got trolled um, and Anya from the Harp Bar joins me Anya good morning Morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Uh, this was uh, online. Was this like Facebook, Twitter, something like that? Yeah, um, between Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And what were the what were the was it different trolls saying different things? It was, yeah, and it wasn't just trolls from within Cork. It was from trolls within different parts of the country. Um, what kind of what kind of horrible messages? Okay, one was the owner smells a piss. I hope another one was I hope you you go out of business. Another one was I hope you go bankrupt. Another one was fascist morons, fascist morons. Another one was I hope when you're shut down and closed, none of your staff receive any pop payment. And another one which was I hope your your when your pub burns like that now that none of the staff will get the pop payment. I uh, mean, I, I, another one. I hope your bar burns down. Uh, yeah. You should be I mean, ashamed of yourself, another one. We should be one. ashamed of ourselves for reopening, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I can take this harsh comments, but my my whole thing on this is there's plenty of small businesses and big businesses that their owners may not be able to handle these comments. And mental health is a huge issue in our country. Their suicide rates have gone through the roof due to businesses being closed and, you know, not being able to afford to live. And this might just tip that one person over the edge. You if, know? They were, if they were running a business and they got if this they were kind running of abuse. A business and they got this kind of abuse, okay? Um, that, that person, everyone is different. I can take the abuse. I laugh it off. But why do you even read it? Or did, was it brought to your attention? Uh, no, they were private messages put up and they were messages. I put up a comment on Facebook about reopening indoors and what to bring for identification and it all lingered from there. It started on your Instagram page. And your Instagram yeah, page is very personal page. to you. By and large, Instagram's a fairly happy place most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was one gone up, like, we have a soccer team from the half bar, right? And there, we put up that we won the other day. And it was it even came up on that. I mean, come on, like, to, to target our staff and mm. our soccer players who are customers. Mm. They're not staff, they're customers and staff that play on the team. I just think it's, 
it's on on call for. Mm. And uh, do you do you, do you like do you know who these people are? Or are they hiding behind fake accounts? No, they're hi- some of them look like fake accounts. Some of them I don't know. A lot of them I wouldn't know. And um, like I'm the type of person if you've something to say, say to someone's face. You know. And are they so are they the, are, the keyboard? I know, yeah, but the, these keyboard thugs, if you like, they're accusing you of things like medical apartheid, that you're yeah. you're only allowing some in and those without a cert or those who haven't been able to get vaccinated, you're not letting them in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But were you saying then in, in Cork Bio that um, people can stay outdoors if, you, if they want, but it's a service you want to provide to elderly customers, is it? It's, it's a service we want to provide to all our customers. Young and middle-aged. But you said that many of them are in their eighties who don't want to sit yes, outside. That, that wanted, they didn't want to sit outside. They don't like sitting outside. They like just being in in that warm, comfort feeling, you know. And how did yesterday go? I mean, they say that it was quiet enough, being a Monday. If they, we we were tipping away all day. And most of our customers still sat outside, but the fact that the majority of them had the option to go inside if they felt like it. Okay, okay. Um, And did you use a scanner? No, we did not use a scanner. There was late changes within the VFI the night before and you do not have to scan. You can now accept the vaccination card with both, either if you're the one job shot or you're the two, that you can accept that. If you don't know them, then they have to provide ID to make sure that card. Okay. So what you're doing is you're looking at their cert, the one with the QR code, proof of two vaccinations. You're looking at the COVID card that they got for the two shots of the vaccination. Um, um, But you're not, say, for instance, and you're also looking at the cert to prove if they've had COVID and recovered. Yeah. Okay. But... You know, you're not using the scanner, but when you get the cert, are you also looking for, because they're they're saying that you need to look at for a driving license or a passport or some kind of second form of ID with a photo. Yeah, that's if, if you don't know them. Like if you, you would know, know your regulars, okay? So you would know your regulars exactly what time they're going to walk through the door. Yeah. You have them like clockwork. So yeah. if you're weary or if there's a new member of staff, then that staff member will ask the regular for ID because they might not, know who they are. Because the Vintners told me on Friday in Cork that they were telling their members not to ask for another type of ID. Well, the, I have the Vintners rules here in front of me and it says ID must be provided if asked for. Okay. And did anyone look to get served indoors without any kind of certificate? There was one man came in and he said his friend was on the way but he didn't have his vaccination card so unfortunately they had to sit outside, fire option. One could sit in, one could sit out. You know, we're not going to disrespect the guidelines rules because we're the ones getting into trouble for it. And did, was he okay with that? Yeah, they were quite fine. They were said, you know, it's it's a learning curve for everyone. Not everyone has, you know, maybe people have been vaccinated for the past six months and are not used to carrying this vaccination card around with them, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apart from the trolling and the horrible messages on social media, everything else was fine. Everything worked out. Certificates were there. You know, you know, you knew most of your punters anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and indoors was there for the elderly who were back for the first time. What was that like? Oh, they were just so happy just to be able to... They, they said it was like winning the lottery. 
and they were sitting down having their their medic their medicine as they call their creamy pints. You know, it's <laughs> it's to see that they haven't been there since Christmas Eve. And were they catching up with buddies and pals that they hadn't seen they in an age? Yes. Like, a lot, a lot of our regular customers, too, won't drink outside. They don't drink at home. They won't drink outside. So we'll be expecting them back in out throughout the week, the fact that they can come indoors. All right. A lot of the younger customers are looking forward to coming indoors because we have a new cocktail bar gone into the bar itself and you'll be able to sit and watch cocktails being made from scratch, you know. It's something exciting. It's something new for them as well. But don't they go indoors then to use the toilets? They can do, yeah. 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 It's a bit kind of weird, isn't it? All that they would it's, have masks. On. It's, it's. I think it's. I think it's messed up. The whole thing is messed up. But all I say is, my point I want to get across is, these trollers think before you speak. That damage and word or comment can tip someone over the edge. Okay, well said. All right, so you know that's all I want to get across. Okay, so what you're doing is you're taking the COVID cert, the QR one. You're taking the proof of COVID cert, and you are you're taking the vaccination card with the two serial numbers of the vaccine um, you're not doing any scanning you no, at all yes we no it came in that you don't now have to scan and no there we did scan one yesterday but your man asked us to scan it just to see what it was like and it worked perfect but and you scanned them with uh, with your phone yeah yeah because I hear Tony's bistro in the Vox there are scanning customers going in that's yeah. a restaurant maybe that's a different no, set I, of circumstances I, maybe it's different but in the pubs the bars you don't have to scan okay from what but I'm you are of. accepting the vaccine card card yes yeah. uh, as a matter of fact I'm sitting here and five of my customers had them yesterday and I have them here I took them home and laminated them for them because they're getting destroyed, folded up inside their pockets, so... Free service, free service. <laughs> well, you know, it's handy for them if they do go to another pub, that oh. they have a clean and it's maintained for them. Good for you, good for you. Thanks, Anya, much obliged. Thanks yep. for catching up. Thanks, Take care, Thank cheers you. for now. The Heart Bar Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 86 Here's a bizarre one. I'm on holidays in Portugal and you have to do an antigen test to get into a bar there. Um, there's loads of places in the resorts for actual PCR tests if you need one to fly home or whatever but the walk-in dining or drinking you need an antigen test uh, and on weekends you have to pre-book whereas weekdays you can walk in and take the test another thing, people whose digital certs or tests were maiden or married names and whose passport was different were not allowed through security at Faro Um there were four queues at Passport Security and there were spot checking, just one queue. We saw two people being stopped, not being allowed to go through. I don't know what happened to them after that. Well, one thing's for sure, they were in the wrong queue. If only one queue was being spot checked and the other three weren't. And you're saying that they, if a woman went up with her maiden name and her married name, say the maiden name was on one and the married name was on the other, they were refused entry to Portugal. Um you take a gamble on that then as to, you know, they're not checking all of the queues, but you're damned if you want to be in the wrong queue, right? I have a question for you. Maybe you could ask your listeners. I know a person who, I know a person who has not been able to travel home from Spain because they couldn't pass a PCR test as they had long COVID. They've had it since May and were in hospital in Spain. First, are they allowed, are they now allowed travel as they've had COVID in the last six months? And second, if they still have it, how are they not still able to infect others? PCR wouldn't allow her travel, 
but proof of infection does. Uh, I honestly don't know the answer to that question, but I certainly will find out on your behalf. Uh, and there are other ones then that, uh, and remember I mentioned there, no mask, no entry, and somebody else who was discriminated against with regards to um, uh, whether or not they had the right paperwork and, and things like that. Uh, let me just do that one. If you could please call out to your listeners for recommendations. Oh, that's, a, that's one on therapy. I'll come back to that. Rather than not go on air, today, Monday, myself and a friend who are fully vaccinated and waiting on our digital cert went into a bar in town, but we were turned away from indoor dining because we only had the physical HSE vaccine card, fully vaccinated with the vaccine card, and we had ID, but they still would not allow us inside. We were offered seats outside, so I'm not blaming the bar, but this whole thing is a farce because they're supposed to accept that, aren't they? Maybe you can get clarification if these cards are to be accepted or not. Well, all, all I can say to you, without wasting too many words on it, is those physical HSC vaccination cards are acceptable on doors, whether it's a pub or indeed a restaurant or into a hotel bar or something like that. They must accept the HSC vaccine card. If they don't, well, I don't know what you do after that, but they should accept it. It's the same as a digital cert. Back after these. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. No, don't get confused. And they didn't laminate the vaccine cert. They laminated the vaccine card. You know, the small card with the two vaccine serial numbers on it. They vaccinated that. Not the vaccine cert. I mean, the best thing you can do with the vaccine cert is if you have a smartphone is to download the cert and the QR code onto the COVID app uh, and it'll always be on your phone then. So it wasn't the uh, cert that was laminated. It was the little card, you know, the small little one. Um, Mind you, you talk about someone being stopped because of their maiden name and their passport name being different and what have you between the cert and their passport. Another incident going into Portugal from a Corconian who drove to Cork Airport, went through security at Cork Airport, board, got into the boarding queue at Cork Airport, boarded a plane at Cork Airport, got off the plane in an EU country, Portugal, went through passport control in Portugal, went through security and customs, transferred to the EU country's accommodation in Portugal, has been eating indoors and outdoors in Portugal. Not one single request for a digital cert or a COVID test from anyone at any point. Not just us, the entire flight had the same experience. At no time were they asked for any documentation, certs or proof, full stop. So, two different stories and two different people when it came to uh, those that were stopped and those that weren't, depending on the queue. Is it Faro or Pharaoh, whichever? Uh, please don't give out my details. I wouldn't like anybody to know. Just a quick message. You may be able to let your listeners know about these certs. I was vaccinated with my first dose in early May in CIT. Got my second dose in early June. I have yet to receive my COVID cert, so I went about calling the helpline. Having waited on hold for just under three hours, the employee told me that I was only showing as being registered for getting one of the two jabs, the June one, so they would not be issuing a cert. I gave them the dates, the batch numbers, and the case has been passed for review to see what's occurred. I spoke to five different people who were also vaccinated at MTU, the former CIT, around the same dates. None of them have had their certs either. It looks to be a case that anybody who got jab one of two on the first week of May in MTU hasn't been noted as being vaccinated successfully. It might be worthwhile for people to call the helpline, even with the wait times, because they won't be issued 
from MTU unless the HSE investigates it further. I pass it on for what it's worth. Keep my name out of it. I'd really appreciate it. It may well help somebody. And thank you for that. And just one quick one this side of uh, 10 o'clock with regards to these new opening guidelines for indoor dining. I agree with your caller saying D-Day is discrimination day. I'm all for the vaccine, but definitely do not agree with segregation of society. What happens with people who legitimately cannot take a vaccine for health reasons? maybe going through chemo for cancer or someone suffering with HIV. Are these people now outcasts amongst us? What about couples trying for babies, but under doctor's advice have been told to hold off on vaccine until they've had their baby? Are these people outcasts as well? I personally know two couples. Then what about sex offenders, paedophiles? As long as they have a QR code, they are more acceptable in society than someone who isn't vaccinated? Society has turned upside down. And that's a selection of texts to uh, 0868 104 uh, 106. There was somebody actually who was refused entry, um, who was actually refused entry uh, in the city. And this was more mask related than anything else. I was going to let this go, but even, but given uh, some thought, I feel like this should be told to the people of Cork if you feel the story is appropriate. Friday gone, went to my local supermarket to pick up a few bits and bobs of shopping. At the door, I was approached by a security guard um, uh, who, expected, who I expected to come and tell me that I needed to put on a face mask. I have a medical exemption from wearing a face mask, which is genuine and signed off by my doctor. When I informed the security guard of this, he informed me that the store policy is no mask, no entry. I said, I can't understand that. Informed him, I can't wear a mask. I have a medical cert, um, which I should not need to provide anyway but I was just more than willing to prove to the man I wasn't trying to get away with it. He replied, my medical exemptions do not matter. Um, This bothered me quite a bit. I've suffered with lots of conditions throughout my life, some of which I still suffer from daily. Um, To be told by a security guard that these things don't really matter to him should should be looked at. I understand I may not look to be ill healthy, but trust me, I've endured my fair share. Asked to speak to a manager, stood outside the door, at which point two more men without masks walked into the store, the second man giving the a stiff F.U. to the security guard when challenged. A young manager came to the door, simply replied what his colleague had said. When I asked if this was national policy, he said the store is privately owned and he stands by their policy. Funnily enough, it had never been an issue in the past, but all of a sudden now it is. I offered my medical cert in my wallet. He refused to look at it. I asked the manager if he'd please give me a written letter stating the refusal. He refused. He said he would not. Um, I waited and waited outside the door until a senior colleague came back and said that they would not give me anything in writing. From my point of view, this is because they know too well what they are doing is complete medical discrimination. Anyway, just wanted to have my story told. I'm not one to cause a fuss and would really hate to cause any trouble, but I'm sure I'm not the only person who is still being refused. This type of embarrassment is not on. Um, it's a very lengthy email. That's just the gist of it. Uh, not, not one other shop in town had any issue And if I asked, I will always explain and show my expectation letter. I think that should be exemption letter. And that by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Emerald Music Station of the Year. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868 104 106. Lots uh, texting um, on this uh, 
redevelopment or reimagining Cork between now and 2040, they're going to throw at least five billion at it. The redevelopment of the city, the suburbs, light rail, lots and lots of housing where the population will increase by something like 50% in the next uh, 18, 20 years. Um, when will this be completed? Will we have to wait another 50 years? We're still waiting for the convention centre. There are currently 750 premises boarded up around the city and people are crying out for homes. Surely this should be a priority. Another texter, Anthony, says, It's amazing that plenty money is found for work we can live without when it's damn obvious housing has not been addressed. Fianna Fáil messed up and Fianna Gael continued it. Now that they're in bed together, it's getting even worse. Fianna Gael allowed the venture funds to take over much of our housing stock and we're stuck with that now. It's totally sickening to watch. Um, all governments are a complete joke. Housing should be the priority. It's easy for them. They have houses. The event centre, well, I'm skitting laughing here, um, says Willie Cunningham. The city is dying, says Phil. Gap, Oasis, plus many others are due to close or have closed. We have to invest in the city to keep businesses alive and to support them. We can't cancel everything, as you suggest, just to build only houses, bike lanes and road upgrades. Why upgrade Dunkettle when that money could be spent on housing, uh, says Phil. Um, which is it, though? Uh, we can't cancel everything to build houses only? Or why spend money on Dunkettle? Uh, could we not put the whitewater rafting in, into Cork? It's like they did in Big uh, Singers Dublin scrapped it. That project was estimated at $25 million. We could use it to train search and rescue crews, crews, crews. We could use it for Olympic training. We could use it for sport the general public could have fund there. It would be great for the city, says Desi. And one final one. The last time Cork City spent money changing Cork's streetscape, they destroyed it as a commercial centre. They removed taxis from the centre of Patrick Street and car parking from the Grand Parade. Then they paved the streets with bricks that are slippery when wet. And it rains a lot in Ireland, says Ed. And that's just a selection of lots of different texts on that topic on reimagining and uh, reinvesting in Cork. But back to the phone lines we go. And I mentioned this last week, uh, particularly if you are loyal to your insurance company, you might you know, need to be reminded like I did last week that loy- loyal insurance company clients are penalized um, and pay more than new customers do. I'm just mentioning that actually, just ahead of a conversation with Rowena. Rowena, Rowena good morning. What what exactly happened to you with regards to your car insurance? Well, I've been with the A now for years, I'd say 20 years at least, so I just trusted them and I said, Grant, my son was coming off my insurance, he bought his own car and he was just, uh, sorry, he was just buying his own car and he was getting a quote off them. So they gave him a quote, they told him he could only get a 1.4 or below it, so they'd insure him. How old is so he? that was Grant, he's 24. Okay. So, yeah. Is he a full so license? He's a full license and everything. Right, okay. So we said, grand, okay, first time insurance on his own, maybe it's a bit dear anyway. So they gave me a quote of €2,677. And then they said, look, if you get a home start, we'll give you 200 off it. And I was there going, all right, first insurance, grand. So Keir went off to work the next day and he said it to some of the guys that he works with. And they said, sure, why don't you just ring AXA Direct or get a quote? So he came home got a quote. Now, this is from the same insurance company that they gave me the quote from for 920 No, I'm sorry. The first quote was uh, was from AA. Yeah, and you know, they're um, a broker, so I said, you know, where are you getting the quote from? And they said, oh, it's from AXA. AXA, okay. okay. And that was fine. So, Kim, we went and checked AXA Direct. 
ourselves and saying um, car insurance was for 924 euros with the what? same company. That's 1,800 yeah. euro cheaper? Yeah. What? Yeah. Did... Yeah. Yes, that's why when you said it there last week, the red mist descended on me anyway. What did you do next? Oh, I emailed them and all I got back was, thank you for your email. And then I emailed them back again with the same giving out thing. I was actually going to contact you. And I asked them for my her um, no claims bonus. And we were a month waiting for the no claims bonus. They didn't. They didn't interact with me. I rang them as well, and I said to the girl, and I said it, and she goes, "Oh well, you know, what can we do? What can we do I isn't good enough." I mean, you actually spoke to somebody at yep. the broker and said, "You're yep. charging me twenty six hundred and seventy seven for a car yep. insurance at AXA. When I go to AXA Direct, oh, it's nine hundred and twenty four." And she had no answer to that, is it? No answer for it. I don't think she could give me an answer. Do you know when you ring, you're only getting somebody who's just answering the phone. You know, she just wouldn't give me an answer. That's ex- that's astonishing. It's and I have the quotes. I have the quotes. <laughs> it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And my daughter was getting quotes for her insurance. Now we've all gone with AXA Direct, so I I took my own insurance away from them, and I got for three hundred euros cheaper with AXA Direct. AXA Direct, AXA as insurers are particularly good for first time drivers. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. used them in the past with my son and my daughter. The only problem with it is that the insurance will start to creep up. Yeah. But that's, it's, like it's the chances of it being 924 up. next year are slim. It's probably going yeah. to be over a grand. Yeah, yeah. And it if they get penalty points, probably more again. Yeah, yeah. Well, they lost the three of us because my daughter drives as well. And they've lost the three of us. And that would include house insurance, home start, everything. We've just all gone and we got a family plan. It wasn't. Asa, and they gave us 10% off each of our insurance. It wasn't a mistake, No. They're no, brokers. No. Brokers are supposed to get yeah. you the cheapest price. Yeah, and because we were going to go with them, they sent me all the documentation. You know what I mean? They'll send you the documentation beforehand. So it wasn't just a quote on the computer. This is actual. I have the physical one at home. I'm, I, that, that worries me because it takes an awful lot of time now for somebody to, on their own, get car insurance or house insurance because you have to fill in all of this stuff online for every single yep, one of them. Do, yeah. And they all ask for your phone number and you're worried you're going to be bombarded with marketing calls. Mm-hmm. It's a, so yep. you go to a broker because firstly, it's faster and it's simpler. And secondly, yep. you believe they're going to get you the cheapest price. Look, even if it was 100 euros, we would have stayed with them. It's 1,800 euros. For that euro, reason dear. alone, but for that reason alone, we, we just all moved. I couldn't get over the price. 1,775. 73 euros or something it was dearer than actually. and isn't it amazing that you probably would have paid that we would have because it's first insurance new year everybody's insurance is expensive the first insurance well I think 924 euro for a first time 24 year old male and a 1.4 is quite cheap to be honest with you yeah it is it's a brilliant price absolutely brilliant because um, the only experience he has and of driving is as a name driver so that seems very good to yeah. me and the deposit you know if you wanted to pay it by the month the deposit from the A was 929 euros and then you have to pay it off every month. And a lot of people do that option. Yeah. They pay yeah. monthly. Good God. Yeah. So their, their deposit was more than what he paid for his year's insurance. <sighs> but more. Yeah. A lot more. Yeah. yeah. Buyer, buyer yeah. beware. Yeah. So look, just to check your insurance. Go directly to the company. You know, but it is true. It is. You're there and you're their customer for 20 years. So they think you're going to stay there. And everyone who's starting up then is getting all the best. Ah, uh, but like in fairness, you know, I mean, the difference is just now, it's not a hundred or two hundred or three hundred euro. It's like, you know, there's a yeah. chasm of difference there. Seventeen hundred and seventy three euros. I was 
dumbfounded. I'm, I'm sure other people have been in the same boat. Well, I'm you know, sure. Or maybe they're not if they haven't checked, you know. Well, well done for taking a second mm. chance and looking somewhere else yeah. or going directly to see the difference. Well done. Thanks, Rowena. Yeah. Buyer oh, beware. Cheers. Take care. Safe driving for your son. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines. Uh, John is standing by. But first up, Keith, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm well. Um, when, I, when I see people going on about snowflakes, um, I wonder, you yeah, know, I think, I think everyone what's coming next? To, everyone needs to untwist their knickers about the, the pubs and that. I mean, the word discrimination has been banged around since day one on COVID. Oh, you're discriminating against me because I have a respiratory thing and I can't wear a mask. And now we're discriminating against people because they can't go in because they haven't got the vaccine. I know she had certification to show that she couldn't wear a mask because of med- complications due to a medical condition. Um, your man on the door of that shop, wherever it was, was rude. You know, Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, look, not, not everyone who has, who has claimed that has bona fide issues with it they just you know really if you were a spiritual illness you should be considering not going out but I'm, I'm more concerned about the, the word whenever like you never know, go out during, during a global uh, respiratory pandemic Neil perhaps it might be an idea to think about it but 70% of the concerned. adult population have been vaccinated in Ireland and somebody with a respiratory condition can't go shopping with a mask come on yeah, well, Keith look listen that, that, that's that's well, that's 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 their issue. You know what I mean. That's that's that. But look, people do look. There's plenty of people in plenty of shops don't wear masks. You know, retail workers. I, I wouldn't blame them for not challenging people. Some places do. Some places don't. It's not the last shop in the world. But the reason I, I text in was based okay. on the pubs and discrimination. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Around the vaccine and that. And I just think you know there are plenty of pubs there. There's plenty of outdoor areas. You know, if you've chosen not, to, I suppose. Yeah, it, it's a little bit unfair on the people. Because um, I was mid-range myself on the people who haven't gotten a chance to have a vaccine. But if you choose not to have a vaccine and you can't go in, then tough. You're not being discriminated against, you know. I mean, are the pubs, and, I, and I, by the way, I support their decision not to open because they're a business. They can do what they want. Are the pubs that aren't opening now um, for a couple of weeks, are they discriminating against me because I am vaccinated and I have a right to be inside there? No, they're not. They're running a business. They're following the guidelines. So if you can't go in because you're not vaccinated, then... That's the, that's the beauty. Uh, what about those that want to get vaccinated but haven't or have had one but not a second and they want to be treated the same as everybody else? It's not their fault of that they're, no, say, for not, instance, in not, an age group that prevent, prevents them having a cert. No, it's not. But you know what, Neil? Sometimes life isn't fair. All right? And we will get there. They will get vaccinated. You know? But I mean, and what about those that did all of the right things and never got COVID and they can't get in places where others who didn't do all the right things got COVID can now go in? Yeah, well, don't get me tough. started on that. Is that just yeah. tough as well? No, no, that's that's that, that's just the unfortunate of it. I mean, look, but the thing is, they've only got six months from when they had it, so they still have to get vaccinated. But I mean, it's, it's, it's not a perfect world. But I mean, if you're, I'm more focused on the people who don't want to get vaccinated and are claiming they're being discriminated against. They're not being, you know, I don't think that's what discrimination is. It's not, you know, it's unfortunate, but certainly not discrimination. If you look at the nine grounds for discrimination, nowhere there is pretty or pro or anti-vaccinations. I just think people need to untwist their knickers. It's been a long road. We're all peed off, definitely. We get there. You know? So is it a case that if somebody is saying, I have a right not to be vaccinated, then an establishment has the right to say, well, I won't let you in? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and they can ring all the radio stations and they can tweet all they want. But, like, that's tough. You make your choice. But we all have to live with our choices. You know, I mean, I, I, I got vaccinated. 
the second round, geez, I got unreal vaccine hangover from it. But four days later, I had my cert, so I've got the, the thing on my phone now. Well, I mean, I, I absolutely got crucified after it as well, after the first one. That was a good description, yeah. incidentally. And I don't think I'd have ever bothered with the vaccine, because by and large, I avoid vaccines. Uh, I don't think I'd have ever bothered with it if I hadn't wanted to fly. Does that does that make me just a wuss, or does that make me, um, you know, weak? No, not at all. You know, I mean, look, the thing is, there's a reason why we, we have to trust our doctors or medical people. I know everyone is cynical, they don't trust them, but like, let's call a spade a spade here. If this was a big government conspiracy, the government can't even keep today's announcements or yesterday's announcements a secret. I don't think they'd be able to manage a big, massive conspiracy overall. This, you know, it's, some of the stuff that's going on online, like, I'm seriously worried about the mental health for a lot, of, a lot of people in this country because they're bananas, some of the stuff they come out with. Mm. But like, all, all I want to say is if you choose not to have a vaccine, that's fine. You made your decision, you live with it. Don't go playing the discrimination card because you can't get in here, there, everywhere. It's and not yes, it in is, your book. It is tough. Discrimination. Not at all. Okay. And it is, come here, it is tough um, on younger people. But like my younger brother, he's 18 or 19. He's 19. Jesus, I see. He's 19. This, oh, I think I'm after getting his birthday. There, there. He made the appointment and two weeks later he had his vaccine. So like, there's plenty of capacity there, you know. Go on away. Go on away now and buy a birthday card. You're eight days late. Go on. Good luck. Take care. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Okay, lots of calls, lots of emails and texts, but thank you to Caroline and Kerry who actually was listening to the program and somebody was singing the praises of how brilliant it is down in Trebogan. In relation to your caller talking about Trebogan, we're back just after staying there a week. I would recommend Trebogan overall. They've made great changes with the outdoor plaza and the higher ropes. The staff are very friendly. The location is fab. The beach is a stone beach, but it's still beautiful with a gorgeous view of the harbour. But the caller never mentioned you will spend a lot of money on extra activities. My three kids did go-karting, ziplining, high ropes, archery and paintballing. All these expen- all these activities are expensive and there's no package deal you can purchase. Uh, used to get book vouchers with money off from previous holidays. Uh, chipper food is expensive, three ninety nine for large chips, about 20 chips in the box. Nearby village chippers are far better quality. Constant money forked out on the arcade. Impossible to avoid it. Just a few tips for people. But overall, I would return and the kids enjoyed it. So just be aware that the extra activity, like anywhere you go on holidays, um, you know, that kind of activity, go-karting, ziplining, high ropes, are those kind of things you pay for anyway. You know, if you walked into a business that did those kind of things. But anyway, pass it on uh, for what it's worth. Uh, Traboggan, do something about the price of the chips and also... Please put more chips in the box and an awful lot of people will be an awful lot happier. I tell you who isn't happy, uh, the, the Mullins family. And I, if I haven't lost the call, I should have John on line one. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, there you Thanks are. taking the call. Not at all. It's, it's, wor- it's a worrying time for you anyway, without me giving you 20 questions on it. But thanks for the email. You got in touch out of sheer frustration. Your mam's in the CUH. Tell us the story. Um. Neil, the early hours of Saturday morning, approximately 5.30 and mum was shifted to the COH. She's 81. Uh, with, she's 81, yeah, with chest pains and um, what she described as uh, terrible indigestion, you know. Yeah. So uh, my brother rang South Dock. In fairness, they were out within minutes and they deemed it necessary for her to be brought into the COH. The ambulance arrived in minutes. Mum was brought in. 
So since then, we've heard absolutely nothing. And it's not from the lack of trying, Neil. It's, you know, phone call after phone call after phone call. Now, I rang Sunday in around lunchtime. I rang the A&E, where mum was admitted to. And I spoke to a doctor who had, shall we say, broken English. So he informed me that mum had been discharged at 15.45. So I said, 15.45 on the Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So... Uh, sorry, on the Saturday afternoon. Okay, was the, so okay. it was late Friday into Saturday morning she went in, and on Saturday afternoon, a doctor said that she had been discharged. Discharged, right? And I said, no, couldn't have been, because I rang her a half the state Saturday night, she was still in hospital. But, to cut a long story short, Neil, what he meant to tell me was that she had been discharged from A&E and put upstairs to a ward. Not the same thing, though. Not the same thing, right? So then Sunday, I rang again. And I got through to the ward and I spoke to a nurse and she just said to me that uh, your mother's comfortable. She was in a lot of pain this morning. We gave her an injection. We suspect possible gallstones. So I said, look, okay, can you give me any information, any more information? She said, no. So yesterday I was ringing again and again, couldn't get through to anybody. So I said, no, this is not right. So I went to the COH myself, went to the reception. Now the girl in reception couldn't have been nicer to me. Um, I explained the situation to her. You were able she to get rang, into reception, were you? No, I was, Neil, threw on a mask and walked in there up to reception. No, she's there. Okay. Um, I pleaded with her. I said, look, can I go upstairs, please? I said, I'm not going to see my mother, I said. I won't go into a ward. I just want to speak to someone from the medical team. She said, no, unfortunately, you can't. So she said, look, I'll ring up the ward and I'll try and get someone to speak to you on the phone here. So grand, a nurse came on to me, lovely girl. And she said to me, look, um, the story with your mother is, um, I can't give you any information. You're going to have to speak to a doctor. Well, I said, right, that's grand. I have all day. Get a doctor for me. She said, there's none available. So she said, give me your phone number and we'll get someone to ring you. Now, it's half past 10 Tuesday morning. I've heard absolutely nothing. Since then, like, it's nothing. Just, since then, it's just sheer, sheer frustration, worry, stress. Like, there's four of us there, and we're all double-jabbed. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if they said to us, like, the one of you can go in for 10 minutes. Now, have you been you talking know, to your mum on a mobile yes, f- She has a phone. Yeah. Right, and the story with my mum is, is that she said to me, you know, I don't know what to believe, Neil. She said to me that a member of staff told her that she has pancreatic cancer. You sure no. that? I mean, you also I, say in the email she's a little confused. She is, and that, that's why I said I'm not, I don't know what to make of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, did someone actually say that to her or not? I don't know. I'm not pointing the finger, Neil. You know, is she upset? Wants, um, she's upset because she's not at home. Like, mom was always a home bird, like a mom, you know, very, very active for her age, in and out of town most mornings, you know, over to the shops. And like the fact that that's been taken away from her. But look, the worrying thing here, Neil, is that we don't know what's actually going on. And, you know, we're not looking for special treatment. There are thousands of families throughout the country going through the same thing as us. But all we want is someone from a medical team to pick up the phone to any one of the four of us and say, look, this is the story with your mother. And have you called since they said somebody would call you? Were you back on since then? Well, I went into work this morning at 8 o'clock, Neil, so... You know, I'm working, I, I just didn't get a chance, but my sister and my brothers have been trying. 
you can't get transferred to the ward? Well, you see, what it is, Neil, they will transfer us to the ward, right? And no, and again, someone will answer the phone. But the nurses there will not give us any information. They're telling us that we have to speak to a doctor. But yet there's no doctor phoning us. There's got to be a better way. There really does. There has to be. You know, and, be and you, you, if there are many like you, then there really has to be a better way. It's not as if you're the exception to the rule you're suggesting. suggesting. No, no. Like, I mean, Neil, you know, we're lucky in the sense that right, we're, we're in the Balifihan area, right? I know, but so what? We're five, we're five minutes from the COH, okay? Yeah. Now, if mom needs to change your clothes or whatever, the bag can be dropped up, a porter will take it up. That's fine. But, like, you can imagine someone down, down the bottom of West Cork or East Cork, North Cork. You know what I mean? The logistics of trying to get things up to a, a patient, like, for them. It's like they're in a different country, really. It is. It is, you know. But look, Neil, all we're looking for is for someone up there to pick up the phone and say, look, this is the story with your mother. She's going to be in for a few days. She's going to be in for a few weeks. She needs this. She needs that. We just haven't a clue. Yeah. Is it gallstones? Is it actually that somebody did tell her she has pancreatic cancer? And if she does, she must be very upset about it. I mean, when did you last talk to her? Um, last night. How was she last night? She a little bit confused and I think, you know, lonely. Has she said, you has know? she been able to tell you anything about who's been examining her, whether it's a doctor or a consultant or a specialist? I've asked her, has there been anyone around? And she said no. God almighty. So there's a chance nobody has actually done anything since Saturday. We don't know, Neil. We okay. honestly don't know. Okay, I'll endeavour to find out what the protocol is in there. Clearly the protocol doesn't involve you being able to go into the ward to visit your mother. No, Neil, we haven't got an issue with that. Look, no, I know that. You're not saying restrictions that. restrictions in yeah. place, right? And yeah. we're not looking for any special treatment, right? But for God's sake, one phone call. That's all we're looking for. She is 81 after all. You are... Her family, um, and yeah. you know, you would think that I hate using the word entitled. It's a very strong word to use, but it, it, you know, it would be right that you would be informed at some stage with a fast phone call as to how your mother is doing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and you know, Neil, like this thing with the pancreatic cancer, right? If that was the case, right, you'd imagine, right? Like my sister is mum's, we say, main contact for the hospital, right? That you'd imagine someone would pick up the phone and say, look. Your mother, we're after discovering this. Your mother has this, right? Um, do you think it's okay for us to tell her or would you like to be present? It's such an important time for a diagnosis like that. Um, one, one of the memories that I have, and I, I never did anything about it at the time. I, I don't know why. I think it may have been the shock of my mother's cancer diagnosis and then, and then her rapid decline and her death. But I, I do recall, I don't mean to upset any family members in this, but I do recall being in hospital with her and my dad um, uh, at one stage in a ward um, when a medic came along. I'm not going to say there was a doctor or a consultant. I don't even remember now. Um, but the first time that we heard that my mother had, uh, had cancer was when they pulled the curtain around the bed in the public ward and told us. Um, and, and I remember afterwards thinking that was not the proper place to give um, a devastating diagnosis like that with other people in other beds just outside the curtain, you know? I mean, it was no, no. it was impossible at the time to even speak when we heard the news that, you know, this was ovarian cancer and it had spread to other parts of her organs or what have you. What do you say in a public bed with a curtain around you, you know? 
Yeah, well, it should be said in a pub, you know, maybe bring the family to a family room. Absolutely. I mean, it's your, you, in many cases, you are talking about the the path to end of life. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I understand your, your worry. You know, I've, I've been there. Um, um, if, if we can maybe get a little bit more details off the air from you, you know, if there were many names you could give us in that regard, we can call and ask the CUH what the, what the policy is and see if we can get a phone call. No bother, Neil. Yeah. No yeah. bother. But um, look, that's the, that's the situation. Um, as I said, we're just hoping that someone might phone us today. Okay. okay. Um, if not, I don't know what we're going to do because we can't we can't go in there, you know. Okay. Actually, I'm already told that we've already emailed the CUH on your behalf and I'm awaiting a response on that. So hopefully that will come. But, you know, you yeah. could always just go back out after work and just and wait and wait and wait. Yeah. That has crossed my mind as well, Neil, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, the, the, the problem is like, you know, you know, pre-COVID, if you had someone in hospital, you could go up there and you could get to meet the medical team. No, that's all gone. Yeah, it is, so, but it doesn't preclude a phone call, John. No, it doesn't. No, it, doesn't, it doesn't. But the point I'm trying to make is that, like, we don't know who is dealing with mom. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we, and you don't know like, if there is a consultant looking after who that person is, nothing. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No information whatsoever. And you don't even know. have a consultant's name or anything? No, yeah. no. Okay. All right, let, let's see what kind of response we get. And I'd encourage other people to share if they have similar stories like that. Uh, we'll certainly be back to you, John, all right? If you have an update, you come back to me, okay? I will, of course, Neil. And listen, thanks very much for uh, Not at taking all. my call. I hope all will be well with your ma'am, all right? Cheers for Hopefully. now. Hopefully, fingers Take crossed. Care. Cheers, Neil. Bye. Thanks. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. You can text 086-810-4106. Pick up the phone on one 850 I see other texts coming in on this and we will come back to it. I just want to chat to Sylvia. Sylvia, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, very good. How are you? Not about very good actually today. As it's one month since my little Sean has been born. So little Sean was born day. first baby a month ago. Yeah, yeah, a month ago. C U M H. C U M H. No yeah. partners. C-U-M-H, yeah. Well, I did have my partner when the labour started, but when I was in the emergency room and then in the ward. So before the active labour started. So it's when. Technically, you're four centimeters dilated, they say. Where was he? Outside was waiting, myself. is it? Yeah, he was outside waiting in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> in the car, I hope. No, no. It, there, there was, unfortunately, there was no car, so it was just outside going to the garage for a coffee every now and then. <laughs> anyway, um, did everything go okay? Well... What happened was that at the, um, when, when first my, my water broke and my, you know, the, the whole process started, um, I went to the hospital and, um, I was actually by myself for the first six hours, you know, and it's not easy when you're by yourself because, you know, if it, it was my first baby. So for me, everything was new, you know, yeah. you can read, you can listen to podcasts, but in fairness, nothing prepares you as the experience itself, you know? Mm. Um, and I was by myself, and so what they did to me when I went in, they they, they gave me it's called petadine, and it's um it's an it's something like morphine, okay? So it makes you sleepy, and technically it helps you with the pain. Labor I'm pain you, was this for contraction yeah. pain? Yeah, yeah, but okay. it didn't help me so much. I will tell you the truth. Um, so I was in this bed by myself, 
because my partner was not uh, allowed in with me. And the pain was so strong that I was pulling myself on, on, on the rail of the bed. And I actually, um, I heard my face doing this, you know, because what happens is that you're, you're in bed and uh, you feel this strong, strong pain. And then because of the, um, of, of what they gave me, I, I was like kind of falling in, in this unconsciousness. You know, I was very, very sleepy. So it was, um, it was stage of, okay, contraction. So pain, I was wide awake, then falling into this deep sleep and then pain again, mm. you know, so then waking up again and the pain is, you feel it more just because, you know, you're, you're nearly asleep and then there is this, this pain all of a sudden. Um, obviously the, the midwives were there when they could. You so know? you were trying to keep yourself awake. Yeah, um, but obviously you can't because of the drugs that they give you. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. So the, the the thing of breathe through the pain, you know, and in and out. There is nothing of this because you don't have your partner next to you. Or and and you this know, long, this long down the track now, eighteen, sixteen, seventeen months. You think that your partner should have been there holding your hand, do you? Yeah, they, yes, but not holding my hand because I. It's it's not even a, a matter of you know. Um, Reassure, you know, I mean, holding your hand, reassuring you, just being there. Yes, just being there. You need someone to remind you that everything is going to be okay. You don't need to panic because obviously that comes in as well. You need, you know, to breathe and someone who reminds you to breathe. I mean, think about it. The first thing that they um, that they do with a newborn is called skin to skin contact. Okay, mm. so when the when the, the baby comes out. They, they give it to the mother or the father or the partner, whoever is there, to feel the warmth of your skin. So this baby will feel, you know, loved and, and relaxed and, you know, um, and it's, it's, it's good for the baby. So, I mean, if it's... Uh, but he was the there. Baby, well, he, but he, 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 there. Was it natural or was it... Did you have an epidural then or was it a C-section or, or what? Uh, it was a little bit of everything in France. <laughs> was meant to be was meant to be natural. Um, but then, unfortunately, my labor was relatively short and um, everything happened very fast. So the baby didn't turn and it was really high. So even though I had an epidural and I started pushing, I think, for an hour and a half, two hours, the baby um, couldn't couldn't come out. Gotcha. So, so the epidural sort, sorry, the C-section sorted that. Yeah. yeah. But you know so when you talk about telling people, reassuring yeah. you and and, uh, and telling you to breathe and that everything will be okay, don't the nurses and, uh, you know, the medical team do that? Yes, they, they do it up to a point. I mean, they, they can't stay with you for the six hours. I, I they they yes. were in there a couple yes. of times, but you know, they need to keep going with their job and you know, and what they need to do, you're not by yourself. Yes, I, I understand. Was, yeah. I was yeah. screaming uh, in and through my labor the the first hours in a world without a four people. You know? Yes. And were you I'm frightened? Close, Sorry? Were you frightened? Well, yes. <laughs> because it, it, you have no like, I mean, I had no, it was a whole new level of pain in fairness for me. And you don't really know what's going on because you're there. 
in a bed by yourself. You know that there is people around you, okay? But you have no way to stop this pain. You don't know when it's going to end. Uh, and, and it's your again, first time. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this was my first time. Now, in fairness, I have to say, all the stuff there was amazing. Because, look, we went through, as I said, um, the epidural. Then I started to push the vacuum. And then we ended up with a C, uh, emergency c sac Yes, yes, okay? yes. Yeah. But they were with with me and my partner all, all all the way. They told us every single step. Like I mean, I remember having the C section, and the doctor saying to me, "See, then I'm going to touch your your arm, and I'm going to do this injection to you. Uh, don't you worry. This type of injection is for this thing." Now I don't remember yeah. all the details because, as I said, everything in in like in a couple of hours, I went from a bed pushing to having a C-section, I'm holding my baby. I know, I know. You and know. you know something, you can't fault any of the staff in any way, shape no, or form can't. here. But I think your point actually, I was reading your email, is that everybody's talking about hospitality reopening and businesses reopening. Um, but it's as if pregnancy and labour and you know visitations in hospitals for labour has been forgotten about. But I think, I think... Yeah, because you know when there was the big the, the talking about all the 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 pregnancy and it's not only pregnancy, you know it it's hospital in general how it's working right now. Um, even the the, the last caller, you know that he doesn't mother, know yeah. what's going yeah, on, you yeah. know about his mother. It's in general. Like I mean, when you're in hospital, you you, you need someone to be with you. You need to be comfort because you don't go to hospital to have good time, unfortunately. I know, you know what, what you're mean? saying. Yeah, I know. You and would you think that people who have a vaccine cert, uh, fully vaccinated, proof of vaccine, that partners with those should be allowed in? I, but look, right now, partners can, in, in CUMH can visit for two hours a day uh, their partner and see their child for two hours a day. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me the difference between there for two hours and be there for seven hours? Because I, I like, I mean, in the moment that you're in there for two hours, you can be there for seven. You know, even I think without the vaccine. So if you hear now, say, for instance, that all indoors is open, for instance, with people who are vaccinated, the weddings are going back to 100 guests. Um, I, I mean, don't think that the 100 guests have to have COVID certs, incidentally, do they? Absolutely. Yeah, they, 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 they should. And I mean, no, but they won't have to have a COVID cert to go to a wedding. But you're thinking that maybe it's time we need to keep the issue of pregnancy and childbirth on the center stage and not be forgotten about. Absolutely. Because, I mean, it, it, you should prioritize this matters than, you know, 100 people to a wedding in fairness, you know, Um it's it's a different matter altogether, I think. Yeah, yeah, it you know? is. I mean, it hospitality is, yeah. is important. Yeah. It is, you know, it's it's job is people working and they, they they need to work. They need to be there. Yeah, but it's socialising and it's people's mental health and being able to get out and enjoy themselves as well as the business, as well as the employees exactly. and everything. And you know, but, <laughs> like but in in what in my uh, experience, postpartum depression is is a real thing. Yeah. You know, and it's creeping there around the corner for every mother, unfortunately. You don't realize it straight away because you have all the adrenaline going through and, you know, you're happy and everything went this and that. But then... Do you think you know, that a childbirth like that is uh, that there's a possibility that somebody may be prone to postnatal depression because of it? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, then you realize 
Okay. Even even myself, I'm thinking now. I'm realizing how long I was alone and how long I've suffered when just having my partner with me. Who, you know, it's a person I love. It's a person I wanted to be with me. You know, I I needed him. I went through six hours of pain. There, you know, they, they are difficult. Could you imagine if it was twenty four hours or thirty six exactly. hours? Yeah. Okay. The, the, okay. And there, there, are exper- there, there are people. Unfortunately, mother, that I have it worse than me. I can't even imagine how it was for them, and my heart goes to them. In okay. okay, happy to keep this topic of conversation center stage. Thanks for the email Thank and uh, congratulations on the birth of Thank baby so Sean, did you say? Yeah, Sean, an Irish name for well, an Irish well done, <laughs> Sylvia. He's half Italian, half Irish, but <laughs> we kept it. <laughs> kept right. it in the family. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, thanks so much for taking the call. Congratulations. So Cheers. Thank Amanda, you. good morning. Morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. Tell me about your mam in CUH. Um, my mum um, is 91 years old, Neil, and she's um, she suffers with Alzheimer's. And she had a fall in her care home, um, and she broke her hip on Monday, Tuesday, early Tuesday morning. Um, and it was it was quite a long wait for the ambulance. But now, as it happened, she had an operation on Thursday. Um, and she has made a great recovery, even Good. though nobody can see her. Um, but I've had phone calls with her, um, and she was due to be discharged yesterday, but we were told yesterday that there wasn't an ambulance available to take her from the COH to um, the nursing home, which is in Cork also. I don't really want to name them because... Everybody is great, you know. Every yeah. all the care staff in the home are great. Yes, yes. it wasn't their fault that fault that my mum had a fall. But she like won't um, be. She wouldn't be walking out of a hospital. She needs an ambulance. No, she does. She does. Um, she's also got a cage, I believe, on her hip. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so how do they yeah, propose so, getting her out of the hospital and back to the care home? Um, well, we're hoping today there may be an ambulance available to transfer her. Yeah, they do, because we got a response from the ambulance service yesterday following uh, delays for ambulance call-outs where a woman was told that they were 19th on the list. There was 18 ahead of them for an ambulance. And the National Ambulance Service said that the nearest and most appropriate response is dispatched to the most urgent calls, which are prioritised. They operate on a national basis and mobilise responses for assistance based on patients' needs. Uh, Bear in mind, ambulances may travel to various locations irrespective of their base and they're not confined to work in geographical areas, which seems like a crazy system to me. It must be very difficult on paramedics. That's almost like saying that a Cork paramedic might have to go to Kerry, you know? Yeah, oh, definitely. And you can't blame, you know, the ambulance people because they're spectacular in what they do. And it's just this current climate and the situation that we're all in. Uh, this COVID thing, we can't see elderly parents or we can't see anybody. And like that lady was saying and the gentleman before, you know, it, it, it's, it's really frustrating because me and my sister sort of like took care of our mum up till the time that she went into this home. Yes. And... You know, uh, it was it was a, a more of a medical issue rather than her her illness, um, the Alzheimer's, that she had to go into the home. Um, so it wasn't as if you know that you know it was like 
just a, a sort of off-the-cuff decision. She's 91 and she's the most pleasant lady you'd ever meet, but medically-wise, she needed that extra help. I'm I know. I listen, you don't, I understand the, the yeah. reasons that you um, decided to yeah. take that path. And, you know, yeah. the, the issue of her breaking her hip is very unfortunate. Um, but yeah. really, you know, if it were me, and I know what you're saying, you would prefer her not to be in a hospital with, with the risk of infections and all sorts of things that go with it. And back into the care of the of the, of the nursing home, isn't that it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and, and uh, so you just have to wait. Is it until such time? We'll as... just have to wait such time that there is an ambulance available to take her from A to B, and it's probably maybe seven miles away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, and I, also I, I mean, the outskirts of Cork or whatever. And this is this would be the national ambulance service as opposed to a private ambulance service because they well, exist as well. I was. I, yeah, they do. They certainly do. And I um, I was made aware this morning that they actually do do transfers and that should have been an option that we will, would have been given because she's there on, under private care. Um, so, you know, that, that would have been an option. But, you know, as I've only just found out that information, but what I could do is just ring up and maybe, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't mind paying for it. Well, I, I mean, if you want it to happen okay. sooner rather than later, if there are most urgent yeah. cases are prioritised, I'd make the call and see what the cover is under your private health insurance for a private ambulance. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a hard, uh, it's really hard for everybody at this time, but the government really need to do something about this health service because it's going, we're a third world country now, Neil. And what do you feel then when you hear of, say, five billion being invested in, in Cork on roads and infrastructure and parks and rapid and light rail systems and things like that? Well, it should be pumped into the, the thing that we'll all rely on at one point in our lives. Um, you know, we've got plenty of amenities in Cork, uh, we we just don't have you know the facilities to care for our elderly or our sick or vulnerable or uh, mental health issues even it's just so it's let, just, make do with what we have for now and yeah. prioritize things that really are life changing that really matter definitely. okay almost okay. definitely yeah Okay, yeah. good luck, Amanda. Do let me know how okay. things go, all right? Um, I will do. I'm a restaurant owner in East Cork. We waited three hours for an ambulance last night for an 18, an 80-year-old, an ambulance that never came. It was an absolute disgrace. Uh, our government uh, has failed horrendously. The health system is on the floor, along with so many other issues our country has. Uh, the lady was getting violently sick, had pins and needles down her arm. Worry about stroke there. We had a staff member who is in her third year of nursing who did attend to her. Two ambulances were diverted from Middleton to attend another incident, so we had to wait for an ambulance to come from the city. The lady came round eventually, promised to go to her GP in the morning before we let her go home. It's a disgrace. I think our government just hides behind COVID constantly. Morning, I had the same issue with South Dock a few weeks ago. My 19-month-old developed a high temperature on a Saturday evening. Ah, just like the girl yesterday morning on the air. I rang South Dock and was told he needed a COVID test first. 19-month-old. Yesterday morning's caller, the child was 13 months old. We got the COVID test on Sunday morning, got a negative result Monday evening. Only then was he seen and he had an ear infection. The poor little baby, baby was left in horrendous pain from Saturday to Tuesday with this ear infection, needing an antibiotic. Absolutely ridiculous system in place for babies. 
this business of a COVID test needs to be sorted. They're babies. Lines are open at one 106 Back after these. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Here's an example then of uh, ambulances moving around within outside of geographical county lines, if you like. Um, we had called an ambulance about a month ago for our eight-month-old son due to him having a seizure and being non-responsive. I mean, you would absolutely panic, wouldn't you? Seizure, seizure and non-responsive eight-month-old. Thankfully, everything was okay. We didn't know that at the time. We were told the situation is that uh, the highest priority calls are dealt with for ambulance call-outs first. Um, mind you, I guess you were prioritised because an ambulance did arrive. Uh, we live in Canturk and they had to send an ambulance all the way from Tralee due to the fact that there were no ambulances available in Cork. Neil, we all need to stand together and get this health system sorted once and for all. I mean, that that alone is such a waste of money and man hours and paramedic hours and ambulance hours, isn't it? That a, an ambulance would travel from Tralee to Canturk um, when really you would think that regionalised bases, well... You know, I mean, that would be way too simple a system, wouldn't it? There'd be too much fear of it working if we had our own ambulances to deal with our own geographic locations. Back after 11 on 1850 104 Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on 1850-104-106. Lots of responses yesterday to our living in the 80s issue that we did, whether we were talking about Burgerland or Mandy's or the Queen's Oak Castle or stories like that. My best memory of my childhood was Brusque, the remnants of the sweets from the sweet factory in Shandon. A bag crushed up into bits. You feel like the luckiest child if you ever even found a whole sweet <laughs> your teeth would thank you for it I used to go into town my mum in the 80s or early 90s used to drop me off at the arcade in the Savoy <laughs> and do all her shopping I mean what would be going on in the arcade you know, one arm bandits is it push the penny machines and what have you love it great nostalgia on the air yesterday Neil my first memories of Cork City was the Shimsa Koshli in 87 in particular the Quo the quo. I moved here from West Cork a few years later and loved Chandra's nightclub on Grand Parade. Happy days, says Pat. One or two more. When we were growing up in McCroom, a big treat was for my friend and myself to go to the city on the bus to spend the day shopping. Well, browsing, really. Later, we would go to the talk of the town in the Savoy and the big treat there was burger, chips and beans and Fanta Orange. You never get that kind of grub back in McCroom then. Is that the case, Cathy? Lovely text. Burger, chips and beans and Fanta Orange. I was in the Pavilion restaurant when I was young with my grandmother and later with my friends. Gorgeous place. Happy days. Yes, I was talking about it yesterday. It was one right posh restaurant upstairs in the Pavilion. You know where it would be now? In and around where the upstairs of Golden Discs HMV was, where they have all of the vinyl and stuff like that. Part of it would have been there. Does anyone remember the Leprechaun restaurant at the side of Dunn's on Patrick Street? Fab place. The tea and cakes were served in china cups and cake stands. Oh, bring it on back. Bring it on back. Makes me laugh listening to Joe Max and the Queens. When I was having my second child in 97, my husband was sick of sitting there while I was in hospital. I know they'd be afraid of leaving the partners now. Anyway, the doc said the baby wouldn't probably arrive till about four. So he went off. Baby came early. When he came back, I said, what kept you? He said, I was watching a fight in Joe Max with two 
winos it says here we're still laughing about it Uh, to answer your question Neil regarding what was the Burgerland equivalent to the Big Mac it was called the Club Burger I bet you can still taste it Liam one or two more Um, recalling happy memories listening to your programme this is from yesterday morning visits as kids to the Up Down Grill on McCurtain Street we thought it was the best place ever and so it was apparently uh, one of the chefs I think maybe son or daughter, one of the chefs and cooks in the Uptown Grill is still Hale and Hearty and his son and daughter got in touch with me yesterday. My dad, Dennis Buckley, uh, wish him a wonderful 69th birthday today. He was one of the chefs in the Uptown Grill and still talks about it every day. Um, are you guys down in Garrettstown at the moment having a great time of it? Fair play to you. Burgerland had a huge upstairs seated area. I played there with my band. They had live music on Saturday afternoons, says Frank. Well, I love it. Um, and there's just reams and pages. Anytime we do any kind of nostalgia at all, it just sets the text machine alight. The Swan and Signet on Patrick Street. What a lovely pub overlooking the river. Many is the tasty pint I had there, says he. Anyway, keep them coming. Text 0868104106. And I'll come back to them throughout the course of the next 50 minutes or so. Um, okay, I'll talk to Fred in a second, if you don't mind. So just tell him I'll be back to him in a tick. But I see that Neve is waiting as well. Neve, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? 20 times you were calling for an ambulance? No. Or 20 sir. times you were looking for details of your dad, is it? Well, 20 times I rang the CUH the other day. And... Um, I couldn't get no answer. I think after about the 25th time, I got an answer. And I just said to the receptionist, I said, Jesus, is there something wrong? The phone lines, are they down? And he's like, no way. And I was like, I've been trying to get through so many times. And he goes, yeah, well, we're understaffed. Which I appreciate. But when I'm at home then with my dad who's cancer and he's... Uh, telling okay. somebody whose dad is in hospital with cancer that they're understaffed yeah. is not very um, uh, comforting to hear. Yeah. Now, Neil, my dad isn't in hospital at this present time. He's out, but he, um, he has a catheter attached to him, which he's on his third antibiotic now at the moment because he has really bad infection. He's passing quite a lot of blood. So it was a case of he was in desperate pain and I needed to train to ring somebody, the catheter clinic or ring his You daughter, needed his to talk to someone, yes. I, I needed to talk to somebody, Neil. And, um, like, I can't... I, I blame the government for this because if they are understaffed, then what has been done in the last two years, Neil, to try and fix this problem? Are, are staff out because they were pinged or they were close or they uh, close contact, maybe? I don't know. Uh, and this is it. And, like, I mean, a lot of our appointments lately have been over-the-phone appointments, which is no good to us because we're now in the position where we're on our third antibiotic in four weeks. And he's in horrific pain. Here's, here's what I want to know from you, like I've been asking everybody else. When you hear stories on the air, say, for instance, of the government investing billions on new transport systems or, you know, decarbonizing the atmosphere because of climate warming, um, like spending 1.8 billion on parks and pedestrianization. How does that make you yeah. feel? Oh, Neil, you, I, I couldn't even say politely how it makes me feel because I would love for them to come into our home for a few days and see the pain that one of our loved ones and everybody else's loved ones is going through. And just the simple that we just want to ring someone, to talk to someone, to say, right, look, what do we do? Where do we go? You know, like I feel my dad's dignity has just been 
stripped from him day by day. He he has accidents every day. He breaks down crying. Now I can't fault the staff when we when we do get seen. They're fantastic. But if I'm if I'm an emergency setting and I need to speak to one of their doctors and I'm ringing and I can't get through, I can't get through, and then to be told, yeah, well, we're understaffed. That was that so was so. You're being told that the health system is understaffed. While I'm listening to stories of celebrate, I love my city. I want it to be beautiful and I want it to become even more beautiful. And I want more people to come here and live here from all over the world. I'm, I'm up for all that. But I hear of 1.8 billion um, for the city and three and a half billion then for the Cork area metropolitan area transport strategy. <laughs> And like the like these are frontline workers that have done an absolute incredible job. I don't think anybody can take that away. So then you have Does the does that, is there any joined up thinking at all? There's not, Neil, and I, I literally this is why the people have no faith or belief in the government. Yeah, I'm losing you there, Neil, and I don't want to, but uh, the line is just loose um, is breaking on me. Sorry, Neil. Can you hear me? Yeah, it just keeps coming and going. Yeah. Sorry. Um, All right, I'll see if I can clean the line up and I will come back to you. One, one, and I, I love the idea of, of the city being better and more accessible, but when there's so many other things, the other, the other time we're screaming about housing or people wanting to be able to afford their own home or young people being able to get on the property ladder or people not being able to pay the rent anymore because rent has got so expensive. A roof over your head, really. And proper healthcare would seem a lot more priority to me than the, than creating and spending billions so that you can get to the city within a fifteen minute window of your home. You know, like I, I don't know. Maybe maybe you'd say I'm a doom and gloom merchant, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Not considering what we're coming out of. Anyway, Fred, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are I mean, you? Do you have any thoughts on that? Incidentally, before I get to your own point, I would say the. They probably made too much tax from this, so I don't think they do have much incentive to do anything about it, really. Just my thoughts. <laughs> uh, so I, I feel like the country might just become a, a, a property resort in total, you know? Well, uh, okay. Well, I'm just talking about perhaps prioritizing um, health. Um, but others, others might say, regardless of what you throw into the bottomless pit of money thrown into health, It'll never be fixed, you know. I mean, if it was no. about money, it probably would have been fixed a long time ago. Anyway, tell me, your, tell me your own situation. Um, I, I have a, a, a very rare uh, white cell condition that's quite aggressive. Um, it's a bit like um, a systemic version of uh, lupus or MS, you know. Does it affect um, your vision? Yeah, I'm registered blind because it's, uh, the pressure was going up in my eyes for quite a while and... Um, the geniuses in CUH took care of it at a certain level. They're brilliant up there in the uh, eye clinic, you know. Uh, so I, I'm lucky to have ex- a certain degree sometimes, but it, it can depend on whether I've slept or not, how how good it is, or, or you know, it can have a good day or an extra. And bad why day. would it warrant um, a mask exemption? I'm just curious. But um, I have to wear sunglasses the majority of the time, and especially in the sun. So about about seventy eighty percent of the time. So. If I were a mask, it fog, they fog up constantly. They do. It's happened to me. You're dead right. It does. Yeah. 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 Um, another friend of mine that lives in the city actually has a, a, has a similar incidents with that of people shouting at him about the mask. It's very hard to wear the mask, but 
with the conditions that I have as well, it's, it's, it can be very hard okay. to breathe, you know? Okay, so the, but your GP refused to give you uh, an exemption, is that right? Yeah, the person on the phone said that the um, that, uh, doctor doesn't do those, doesn't uh, write those out. As a, his belief is that you're better protected with a mask. Uh, no, I'm not an anti-masker, I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that. And how's life been for you without the letter? And uh, are, are you wearing a mask? No, I, I have a couple of masks that sometimes, it, it depends on the day, if, if it's not too hot or if I don't have to go too far, I, you know, I'll wear it to, to stop other people getting, you know, stop other people worrying much or whatever, okay. as, as long as I can, you know, but there's a lot of the times there where I can barely, barely I have asthma, uh, uh, would be part of this condition in general as a result of it, you know. So. Okay, but your call was prompted by people who um, had issues with regards to access, whether they did have masks on or not. Did yeah. you have experiences right. of that? Yes, uh, there's been a lot, a lot of shops I've gone in where people just got very aggravated about it as well in, in certain occasions. So, like, I'm running into wearing a mask. Do you, have a, do you have a note that says that you don't have to wear one? Said, no, I'm waiting to get in. I've barely get in touch with the, the, my GP's office for quite a while. You know, they're obviously up the walls. Yes. Or not yeah. even answering the phone. So um, I just thought it would make life easier for everybody if I got one. So I called uh, about it and they said... Uh, uh, no, he doesn't do those type of thing. I'm just kind of wondering if someone's beliefs are more important than a, the law of the land kind of thing, really. You know, what, what am I going to do if I need a piece of paper that says I can't always wear one? And know? was there an incident on a bus? A minor one, yeah. It same thing happened to my friend as well that I was telling you earlier, a really impaired friend in the city. Um, uh, I got on and he was, uh, wear your mask, said, uh, I can't. He said, you have to wear a mask. And I said, no, I a bit stroppy about it, uh, but I, I said, are you, "Are you refusing me now?" And he said, "You have to wear the mask before you get on the bus." So I said, "No," I said, "No," and I sat on the disabled seat there, you know. And he said, "Right, I'm going to call the guards." I said, "Go ahead." Got off the bus, went outside. I didn't see where he went. The guard came in, and he said, "Why can't you wear the mask?" Uh, so why are you wearing the mask? I said, "It bogs up my glasses. I really can't see a thing with the mask on." And I can barely breathe with this, literally. And uh, I said, you have a piece of paper for that? And I said, no. But, uh, he said it to the driver on the way out, and the guard went off, and the guy was shaking his head. The driver was kind of shaking his head, he was a bit upset about it. But, um, the, driver uh, inst- the, the guard instructed the driver to allow you on? Yeah. And the, di- the driver complied and let you on? Yes, yeah. I took the seat anyway because I was a bit aggravated about it, but, uh, you know, but, um, it, it really is genuinely very hard to wear one, you know. Um, I can't but at any stage did you tell either the bus driver or the guard that you had a medical condition? Uh, all I heard you saying is that it blocked, it fogged up your glasses. Yeah, no, I, they don't even listen to that. I tell people, a lot of people in different places that I have a serious condition anyway, and they don't listen. Just, it's law of the land type thing, show, show me this or show me that or you're not in. Yeah. That kind of thing, and does it bother you like it bothers others that many people now are constantly texting me about the division in society because of this whether it's access with a cert or whether you can get access with a mask is that concerning? Yeah, um, yeah I think that's interesting because you know I always kind of keep to myself anyway when I'm out because I, I, I always take all precautions and I, I like to you know sit on my own have a nice Guinness or something like that but It'll be interesting to see now if I try if I tried to get into a pub. That would you not get another GP, pal? Uh, there are a few and hard to come by in a small town, you know. So and they'd be fully listed as well, fully fully piled up. 
But um, uh, if I go into shops now, like, and I have no piece of paper that says I can't wear a mask, I just find that. In, where, where am I supposed to get when I just think that's interesting? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can uh, have your creamy yeah. pint of Guinness uh, in a pub, but you wouldn't be able to get indoors without a mask, and you wouldn't be able to use a loo outdoors without a mask either. That's it. I might ask them if they have some kind of large mechanical claw where I can reach in through the window and get the pint, you know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, it's a tough situation you find yourself in. I, I don't know whether GPs are are obligated to give you a letter or not. Clearly you're saying they're not obligated. Interesting. I, 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 that's, what I found, that's what I thought was interesting. If, if somebody's personal beliefs is more important than the official law of the land thing you know you can get an exemption for a medical condition all right good luck with it fred thanks so much stay safe cheers neil hi neil sorry i I didn't have uh, an opportunity to finish the conversation because of the phone line so i'm back to you now with that in that regard so yeah 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 so um we we, actually we were just chatting about whether or not uh, money is being spent in the right places and you were trying to make a point on that they're not neil they're not and like and i can't like i can't say enough how great the staff are when we do get to see them but it's it's simply not good enough to turn around and say we're understaffed that's no consolation to my father who's at home who's crying who's having accidents who's in pain we don't know his first round of radiotherapy hasn't worked unfortunately so we're now in the position where he's going in for his second round of it um we're actually thankfully we're actually having a face-to-face appointment today out in the clinic outside in the regional but last week was just horrific and I was at my wits end and I was really angry and I just felt this is absolutely disgraceful and I see all these posts oh we'll put in all these lanes for cyclists which is fine fair enough but there is us at home then that they're suffering. Um, the plan, plan is to rip out much of Bishop Lucy Park and to redo it and, 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 and work like that, you know. But why why not put it into the hospitals? Why, why not give it back to the people who have been the true frontline workers who have <sighs> literally seen it all? No, I just wonder where they found this money from if other areas are in desperate need of funding. I just uh, can't get is, my head around that. And this yeah. is why the public, this is why people just have no faith in this government. I have lost all respect for every single one of them. I, I mean, I got to the stage where my father was so upset. He was passing so much blood. I said, right, I'll have to ring South Jock. Four hours, Neil, four hours later, a doctor rang me back. And I, and I literally said, look, it's fine. And he said, yeah, Grant. And just hung up on me. Well, at least he rang you back. In the case of our caller earlier on, they've been trying to get somebody to tell them whether or not their mother was told she had pancreatic cancer. You know, Neil, and that, that, and I know, and I know, and I feel so sorry for him because I know how it feels to get told that cancer. Yeah. Okay, gone again, gone again, Neil. Gone again. But listen, I covered a lot of ground with you, and thank you for it. Appreciate it. I mean, one of the worries I would have in all of this is if the CUH is saying they were understaffed, and on Monday I was telling you that they claim to be almost at capacity. Uh, we're on a bit of a tight road, a tight road at the moment, aren't we? We're kind of on a seesaw um, uh, with regards to um, you don't. What I'm saying is you don't want. Um, a surge of hospital admissions from COVID, don't you? Not with the way that the CUH is at the moment. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Linda, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you for your text. You say we've been in the same situation with your mum. Uh, in in yeah, what way? I was referring Waiting? to the, the gentleman you'd done earlier. It was like he was telling my story. The, his 81-year-old man you know? since, since uh, the early hours of Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. yeah. My mum went in the very same with a pain in her chest and um, she was removed by ambulance. Now my sister is our carer and my mum would have early Alzheimer's. So she was allowed to go with her in the ambulance, which okay. was wonderful. Okay, that was nice. So, yeah, yeah, because yeah, my mum wouldn't even be able to tell them what medicine she she was on or anything like that, you know? Okay, okay. So um, she went with her and that was fine and she rang me then at about quarter to one in the morning and I went up to collect her, my sister, to bring her home, saying that my mum was sort of out of danger of a heart attack, which we were all worried about. Um, but they're going to investigate further. So I collected her and, we, and she came home and that was on Tuesday. And from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we were ringing ringing, ringing, getting no information whatsoever. Yeah, I know. We was she in hospital off? She, was she, when she was in, did you say she wasn't eating nor drinking? Yes. Mm. She she would be get like that if she's out of her own environment, you know? Yeah. She'd stop eating and drinking, and especially she's never without one of us. So she didn't know where we were either. She was so confused, I'd say. Mm. So she would she would stop eating and drinking. So they were when we rang them, we get through to a nurse and she'd say she's not eating or drinking. And we would try and explain if you left one of us in, she would definitely we'd get around her and talk her around. So they left me in anyway on the seventeenth at tea time, and I went up, and the relief of just seeing her because we we were thinking all sorts. We didn't know where she was, what ward she was in, was she, was she with other people. Was she so confused? Was she relieved to see you? Absolutely. Her face lightened up as she put out her two hands, Neil. And did she eat then? She ate her scrambled egg she had and in front of her with a slice of soda bread. And I bought her the soda bread for her and sat her up and sat next to her and she oh, ate it all. Oh, for God's sake. Look at the difference. I know. I know. See, I suppose I it's a very difficult call to make in a hospital scenario where I, people I are totally sick. I totally understand that they're... they're up the walls no, and they're under pressure but 86 years of age Neil so she didn't know where she was or what was happening or what was going on but they have to try and keep it as controlled an environment as humanly mm-hmm. possible you know particularly totally if there's older that, vulnerable totally is your mother vaccinated? she is yeah. she is and we are yeah yeah you know yeah so it's frustrating for people with the, with the care of their own health or care of a loved one's health when they hear of everybody talking about, uh, you know, increasing the amount of people who can go to a wedding. You can go in for a pint yeah. indoors. But yet healthcare yeah. seems to be forgotten about. In that I rate. think so. I think she's been transferred to a home now for respite and we can just ring, make an appointment and go and see her. It's wonderful that we can see her. I know. But, but when she was up there, we were so worried. I know, I know. Some worry about the unknown, yeah, and her out of sorts well, and everything. Please God, now it's uphill from here. Please God. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Appreciate you taking the call in. In regards to you and to your man. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one oh six. Red FM. Uh, just a few texts back to calls. Then imagine if you had said on the air a few years that you need a jab if you wanted to share a house with someone. Say a flu jab. People would have laughed at it. They'd have said it was a pure joke. The government and R- an RTE have people in this country brainwashed and people need to cop on. Uh, just give you another few of these there and then we'll uh, go back to our calls after a few minutes' time. Uh, it's great to see that we've learned nothing from the past. It's unbelievable that people like yourself aren't condemning these changes. Vaccinated people can still catch carrion spread just like unvaccinated. The death rate for people under 50 
is 0.5%. The death rate for people under 50 is less than flu. Great show, but more balls is needed from the media. And when all this is done and dusted, a tribunal is needed to be set up to investigate what happened during COVID. Well, they're refusing a tribunal of inquiry with regards to what happened in nursing homes. So what are the chances of an investigation as to what happened during COVID in general? Slim, I'd say. Uh, the whole housing situation is the worst I've ever seen. Rents are so high that you can't save for a mortgage. Then you can't get a mortgage if your wages aren't right. I feel sorry for the young people who want to leave home, but they can't. It was never this bad. When I bought my first house, we had no, we had no great wages, but we got a mortgage with no bother. Why is it so hard today for young families with kids at the mercy of landlords? That's very true. There are still a lot of kids at home, but young people, young men and women in the 20s and 30s still living at home. They don't want to be there. It must be heartbreaking for them. No disrespect to their parents. Um, we will have the best looking city and the homeless people can have better places to sleep in new doorways. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are the biggest sham the founders of the state would shoot the whole lot of them. You can have the best looking city, but we can't put our younger sons and daughters into a home because they can't afford to buy one. It's cheaper to get two mortgages and pay them than rent a house in the city now. Did you know that? You're probably right. My son is sharing a house out in CIT. €2,400 by CIT a month before they turn on a light or eat a morsel of food. We have our priorities in the correct order, don't you think? 2400 for a house up by the CIT. Uh, my God, and I bet you it's not any particularly great shakes house. Being a fall in Fine Gael are great at making announcements when they're desperate for votes. Three billion for Cork. It's more like 4.8 actually. Do you really believe it? Will the rents go down? Will people have anywhere to live? Look at Dublin. Same two parties, destroyed families, cultures, neighbourhoods and the same thwarted lies and wasteful announcements. Uh, this government has wasted two billion on a hospital that's not even built. This announcement you talk of is all smoke and mirrors and bull. They'll destroy Cork the same way they destroyed Dublin, believe me. Many, many text guys. Um, but I want to get back to phone calls and yesterday, and I will come back to this in the morning, I promise you. If you've been in touch, I'll do my level best to get more emails and texts on the air. But talking about nostalgia, started yesterday with John Morgan talking about his trips down into the city in the early 80s and the floodgates, as usual, open with nostalgia, nostalgia and people reminiscing. And Burgerland was front and centre in our conversations yesterday. And I'm happy to say that Liam worked in Burgerland. Liam, good morning. Morning, Ian. How are you? I'm good. So you would have worked for the great Jackie Solon. Yeah, Jackie Solon, the big Mayo man. Yeah, yeah who at the time at yeah. the time also had uh, the old Vic. That's right, because when we used to finish work there, we used to go round to the old Vic, you know, and have a few pints after work. Yeah, but um, I used to gig yeah, in the old Vic. Actually, classes. they brought out classes. They brought out. Um, there was Shirley Milkshake, Freddie French Fry. Harry Hamburger and Clarence Clubburger. How much do you think I'd get on a set of four Disney ones? Goofy, well, three anyway. Goofy, Mickey and Daffy Duck. Uh, I don't know, if they're in good condition, they'd be grand if you, got, if you had all four of them, like, you know. I've only got three, apparently. The fourth one is the is the rogue one, the Shirley Shake. Yeah, if you had the um, if you had the fourth one, grand. not having the fourth one is not, like not having a complete set, you know. I know. But anyway, they were happy days. I'll just tell you a quick story. I, I went to my my first day, my first girlfriend ever. I went, I was so happy. I was making money and everything. So I went up to um, the man's shop and I got my tuxedo, right? And then I went down to Penny's and I got the shirt and the dicky bow and then I got the shoes. And I said, I'd only buy a pair of shoes for one night. You know, I'm not going to be using for the rest of my life. So yeah. I just bought a pair of shoes and I went out and I got the flower and I got the chocolates and I went up to the, the house and I knocked on the door. 
and the woman came over. She said, she'd be down now in the second come on in. So I have a cup of tea. And I was about, well, I was starting to spout. I was about five foot four, you know. And she said, I'll always remember this, Neil. She said, oh, you look handsome, boy. But you see, I was starting to spout. So when when I, when I sat down, my feet went up. Like, you know, my knees were, my, my feet were up off the ground a small bit. And she said to me, you look beautiful. And their shoes, their shoes are gorgeous. Only three ninety nine in pennies. There was three ninety nine stickers written all down on the floor and I forgot to take the stickers off. But we went off anyway, I tell you, we went in anyway and we had a great old night in the Mets board. But on the way, we were about two o'clock, we got out anyway. We said, there was a nightclub and I can't think of the name, but you know where the penny dinners are now? There used to be a nightclub up there years and years ago now, Neil, and used to go in there for a late pint or a bottle of wine. What year are you talking about? Oh, geez, about the late um, late 70s, early 80s. It was Ca- up there. Uh, it was, it carousel? It was being read. What? The carousel. I also, so do you know went... something? I also gigged in the carousel back then. Did you? Yeah, the carousel right. would open at maybe 11 and run till 4 in the morning. Paid big yeah. money, actually. It made big money there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, well, we went up there. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a wine, more of a wine bar. It was you a wine get, bar. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So it was, no, well, it was a nightclub that didn't serve draft or shorts. Exactly. But we wanted, uh, we wanted, so we were after drinking wine all night. I think we got a taste of it. So we went the more it is. So we went up to the carousel anyway. But it was, it was kind of scary because when, when you went in the door, the door closed behind you, yeah. and there was a door in front of you, and your man looked out the little, small little guard. There was a small little guard gate. And he looked out, and if you were okay, he let you in. If you didn't, you went back out. But we went in there anyway, six lads in penguin suits and six girls in white dresses, and we were all having a laugh and a joke. And we left there about five to six. And as we walked down the road, there was two paddy wagons went up and raided us. We just got out the door before the bloody place was raided, you know. But, um, yeah, so there were the days, but there were great days, and... Um, Carousel was a classy enough. It was a classy enough club. The jock box was up high, and you looked down on punters. Uh, That's a, right, a yeah. lot, you know, a lot of different walks of life actually went to the carousel. But I remember it was a very, it was a big spot for Hibs players and Celtic players back at the time, and the basketball players and stuff like that. You know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was huge. But um, just going back to Borgland for a second, we used to get vouchers in our wage packets. You know, <laughs> so you got your wages, and then you got a voucher. And you could get a voucher, it was like 50 pence or uh, whatever. I think it was either for money or for, you could get a hamburger and fries, or you could get a club burger and fries, and we didn't have to pay for it. We just had to pay it like, um, at a smaller price. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. But they used to take them in and they used to put them into the cash register, and then at the end of the day, when the manager... If Jackie saw this, listen, this nothing probably killed me, but at the end of the day, when the managers were doing the cash, they used to take all the vouchers and put them into a box. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out where the box was. You know, so they use so them. They put, oh yeah. So what, what they used to do was they clip off the corner of the voucher, and that way you couldn't use it again. But they were putting them in a the box, and they were putting the box somewhere, and we couldn't find out. We couldn't find where the box was. <laughs> but one day we went and we found it, and it was up in a kind of a loft. So we had to do was we had to get a small table, get it set up into the loft, right, and then somebody stand on the corner and look out to see there was no manager coming down. And your man rifled through the box upstairs for all the ones that weren't clipped in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and then he used to he used to come on come on these loads we've loads we've loads so we used to go out, out, out there and give them again you know use them again and but that was I thinking that the but... likes of you guys could eat as much as you wanted in there oh yeah it was great and then sometimes like we, we might get one or two ones with the clips and there was a couple of girls there it all depended who you wanted there was one one girl no, I won't name her name but she was a blonde hair girl and um, we used You're... to give it to her and she used to say alright that's no problem yeah come on so, so you see when all the staff were going off for their lunch then the line to her was ridiculous 
and like we all the staff were in that line and there was no staff in the other lines to get the, to get the food because we had to go outside the counter and queue up like everybody else but the line to this girl was ridiculous it was all staff but they never copped it so but they were happy days Neil you know what did you cook or did you serve Oh no, we served, yeah. There was a fella called Kieran used to walk the, the the grill and there was a song there was an ad out at the moment at the time for Pepsi Cola and it was Well you can tell from one I'm drinking that I'm really kinda of smooth. Do you remember that ad? <laughs> <laughs> Lips, oh, Google it, Google it. I'm telling you. Um, Kieran used to be behind the grid, and we were doing. He was doing the dance. Well, we used to have a great. It was brilliant, and you know, we didn't realise how good it was at the time. Neil. I'm being told here now that the club that you visited wasn't the Carousel. It may oh, have it. been called Malibu's. No, or, it was the Carousel. Um, somebody says no, in the no, 80s, no, I the thought the club down there near Penny Dinners was called the Grapevine. No, no, it was definitely no, the carousel, wasn't it? It was definitely the carousel. Yeah, I remember. Oh, I, I always remember. I always because the two paddy wagons. I always. What would I tell my dad if we were down in the Malib- in the Bridewell? The I played Malibu's as well. Actually, I played Malibu's. Oh, Mal- Malibu's was yeah. a wine nightclub on Dro- Perry Street. Oh, Perry Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so my stint ended in Borgland, and I went into Pizzaland into your good buddy Alf McCarthy. He was the manager. <laughs> Man, of Alf was in Pizzaland. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and I went um, to school with a fellow who was a pizza chef in there for a while. A fellow called Sean oh. Tracy. You didn't know him. No, 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 no. I knew Phelan Buckley and uh, Gerard Murphy, but As McCarthy was in there. And um, yeah, so that was a crack. So that was about it, Neil. Look, I got to go there. Great story, pal. You too. Take care of him. Cheers. I remember when Pizza Line came to court. It was the first pizzas on the side. Now, I'm sure there'll be Italians roaring and screaming that they were doing Italians in the restaurants back then, but I don't recall it. But I remember the pizzas in Pizza Land. They were even uh, the most boring, mundane, dull pizza of them all, the margarita. I mean, why you'd order a margarita in my book is beyond me. It's like ordering pizza with pineapple, another no-no. But they were just absolutely delicious. Maybe it was just the newness of it all. Anyway, enough of me and my ramblings. To the phone lines. Cora, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Are you living in Rennes in France? I am indeed. I am. I'm calling you from Rennes. Okay, Okay. great to have you listening. Thank you. you. Do you have a bit of nostalgia for me growing up in Cork? Oh my God, I do. And uh, just to go back to your previous caller there about the grapevine, the grapevine was actually up near the Mardyke because I used to go there in the late mid-90s. The grapevine was near the Mardyke in what? Like in, it was. Uh, is it, was it, 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 it there's um, up past the Mardyke Leisure Centre. If you keep going up there, there was a pub called Reedy's. And if you went across from that pub, there was a side lane and the grapevine was down there. Now, I don't know the name of the street, um, but that's where the grapevine was. Are you talking around across from the old juries by the International Hotel kind of thing? That's right. That's ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, that mm, that's in and around where the carousel was, actually. Well, I don't remember the carousel now. I was a bit, I'm a way younger than your previous caller, so I, that wouldn't make Actually, when, I, when I gigged in the carousel, I was, uh, <laughs> would you believe I was 16 years old? They thought that I was a college student. I lied uh, to get that gig, so I was way too young to be in there in the first place. But uh, if, I probably did a bit of that as well myself. Well, we we did those kind of things. <laughs> we lied about our age all the time. I should start lying about my age now. But But anyway, go ahead. But I, it was about, I was ringing in about two monkeys because I was listening to you there yesterday and I remember distinctly myself and my sister and my mom would bring us in town and I know my brother was small so it was in the mid-80s. It was about 84, 85. Yeah. 
Um, and we used to beg my mom, you know, can we have the monkeys? Can we have a photograph taken? And one day, you know, she was, I think she got so fed up of us. So we grabbed the monkeys. And uh, I remember they had woolen clothes. They were dressed in, I don't know if anyone else remembers. I have a photograph in front head. of me of them here. They've got knitted woolen little monkey suits on That's them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I have, I was on to my parents yesterday, couldn't put their hands on that photograph, but it was at the back of pennies. I thought it was at the front, but it was at the back. But I remember it distinctly and I said I'd send you an email and uh, just... Uh, so did you get the photograph know, straight away? I I didn't. They can't find the photograph. Did no, I no, but you know when you took the photograph, was it a Polaroid that he gave you on the spot? To be honest, I can't remember, but it must have been. It must have been, but I can't remember being given the photograph. I remember the photograph being taken. I remember seeing the photograph, but I just don't remember Isn't who it took it. Or, you know, Isn't it a pity? Isn't it a pity? I know all those years ago, but I, it must be there somewhere. I maybe my sister took it now or something. I don't, but I can't put my hands on it. And, and then the treats in Mandy's and Burgerland and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and there was that place as well in Pennies. I don't know if anyone else remembers it. There was a burger, a burger joint in Pennies. You had to go down some stairs, and it was like a, a diner. I don't know if anyone remembers that. I do remember it. I mean, this is a crazy world. But when I started doing accountancy for a while I was completely useless I worked for a company called the OKR group they own the OK, OK the the Uptown Grill they owned um, uh, the Shandon Bar there on the quay they owned the Old Kentucky Restaurant they owned the Old Bridge and they owned that restaurant in Pennies that you're talking about I think it went on to become a burger like Burger King franchise in the end um, and like I recall that, it because yeah. we did we did the accounts for that place. So maybe that's why it closed. I probably was heading up the numbers on them, but that's what that <laughs> was. It was the small little diner. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was lovely. And just for another bit of nostalgia, to go back to the great sign at the very beginning, would you believe that's where I met my husband in the great sign, and uh, we got married, and we're now living in Wren, and we've got three children. Isn't that amazing? I'll talk to you briefly yeah. about men about Wren in a second, but the grapevine yeah. used to be where the Mercy Outpatients Department is today. People are texting. I think it went on to become the, it became the the keg nightclub for a while. But anyway, listen, great nostalgia, but. What What's life like in Wren? Oh, life is good. Well, it's a little bit like uh, Cork today because it's raining, but it's a fabulous place to live in. Now, I'm not actually living in the city itself. I'm living about 20 kilometres out um, and it's great. Okay. And is it is it reasonably normal there with regards to hospitality, shopping, going about your business, working and things? Oh, yeah. Are you talking in relation to COVID now and yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on in the world uh, at the moment? Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, well, we're up and running everything, you know, we're up and running. But as far as restaurants and bars go, you need to have your QR code. You need to have your sanitary pass to be able to eat indoors. So if you're not fully vaccinated, you will be penalised and you won't be allowed in. And did I read somewhere that public sector workers have to get vaccinated to go to work? Now, there's, yeah, you've heard something about that relating to, um, uh, what would you call them, you know, any nurses or anyone yeah. working in a hospital yeah. will have to be uh, vaccinated. They haven't set a, a deadline on that yet, but they will be obliged to be vaccinated. And if they're not, they will be um, suspended without pay. <laughs> so that's something that the government are trying to bring in because, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a problem. But that's the only sector, really, uh, for the time being. Other than that, you know, they're advising people to, uh, you know, get in, get their vaccines done. Um, I'm fully vaccinated and uh, my two older children were going to be vaccinated there now as well. I'd week, say so people we'll would freak if they said that here. 
well, I was on to my parents as well, and they said exactly the same thing you're saying to me, that there's no way that that would happen That they would Ireland, pass a rule you know, that if you wanted to go to work, you had to have a vaccine? I'd say that would be a step too far. I would think, anyway. But anyway, that's for another well, day. Listen, the restaurant yeah. in Penny's was called Ziggy's. It had bright orange plastic chairs, did it? Ziggy, that rings a bell, that's it. <laughs> All right, look after that's yourself. Cheers, Cora. Take have care. a great day. You too, Talk take care. Bye-bye. A lot of texts on this, text 0868104106. I'm just thinking back to my own childhood, listening to you talking on the air. There used to be a woman in Greenmount, her name was Mrs. Haynes. She was a great woman. In the 70s, she had a big family herself, and she would take all of the kids from Greenmount and Desmond Square down to Yall on the train. She'd buy one or two tickets, and the rest of us would have to run onto the train. <laughs> Our area would have the greatest days in y'all with Mrs. Haynes. She also ran the best bonfire nights in this city. She organised sweets and crisps for us. We had Toddy O'Sullivan come to the bonfire when he became Lord Mayor. He was like a celebrity. Love the nostalgia, Neil. Keep it up, says Janet. And a fast one. Uh, many memories going to the North Main Street. Over 40 years ago with my mum and dad, dad would be sitting in the car waiting for us. We'd go into Bennett's. Mum would love the chat, so it could take a while. My dad had the greatest patience. Everyone said, waiting, and my mum used to get five fresh cream cakes for a pound. Oh, she loved the North Main Street. So many lovely memories. Thank you for bringing them back again. So there's all that and lots more besides after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 Okay, just one or two things before I finish. If you want an example of what we could call maybe COVID anxiety or taking it maybe a step too far. Hi, Neil. We were on the Greenway on Saturday cycling. My husband's pump for his tyres wasn't working. So he asked a girl who had a racer bike because her pump looked like it would fit his bike. At this point, his tyre was fairly flat. She said, I'll give you the pump, but only if you have a bottle of sanitizer." He didn't. So that was that. I just thought, Wow. I wouldn't mind, but he'd be the first person to help anyone. She made me so mad. Are these the times we're now living in? Thank you for that text, 0868104106. Final call, Patricia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Lovely talking to you again. I have some news for you in a second, but did you ring the helpline? Oh, yeah. oh, Neil, go away. I was like yourself. I was laughing at you, you know, the other day, and you had him on phone. You had him on the call <laughs> listening to them. Right. I was the same, ready to tear my hair out. So I just got on this morning. I said, oh, yes. I'm a look and this one now I, oh she was a dog if there was ever a dog even dog for nicer but I'm telling you now what she must hate her job because she just ate the head off me and all I said was I, I was um, I was vaccinated in May I was the first in my house to get vaccinated and I said my son is getting married next month and uh, you know for the hotel I'd like to have the the, the dessert yeah and uh, I can't do nothing for you. Uh, there's loads waiting. Um, you're not the only one. And just because your family got it, uh, there is before you. Uh, you don't have to get yours yet. What a dog. I'm telling you now. I must have been, I must have carried in a bad day because I tell you, take nobody like this. And was that the end of it? Uh, I asked her and I said, can, you, can I get on to another number? Or what? Uh, no, it's just like a lottery. You just have to wait your turn and that's that. Don't <laughs> ring again. What a cow. <laughs> I can't not get you called her a cow and you called her a dog. Yeah, I not her face, but in my own mind, because she was very abrupt. Not a bit nice, you know, for COVID going around now and people should be nicer. And have what? other family members all got their certs? Oh, yeah. I was delighted. She did what I, they were all delighted. But I was the first one for my doctor to call. And they're all, 
gig only got this uh, about two, three months ago and they're laughing at me now and there was a man ring, ring, ring. I said, no, it'll come and all there is it'll have to come in now and there's no sign of Patricia. And do you know whether it, Patricia's will come as an email or whether it'll come as a letter or anything like that? I think, I think it'll come as a letter because um, my husband got his and it came by post. So she she said to you, uh, you're only calling now because of the wedding. You're only calling now because of other family members. It's like a lottery. Don't call again. Don't call again. And uh, you just have to wait. There's thousands of people waiting. Well, I can understand that. But if I only knew when, like, because I can't understand why I got done in May and all mine came after me in June even. And I'm still waiting. And do you need a COVID certificate for a wedding? I don't think so. No. I have the other little card. But you know, now they're saying if you're going to eat out or whatever, he's get, it's my only son and he's getting married to it. How long were you ringing? I ring it since when I heard you, I, I said I was going to chance it. Now I ring it since, I say last Wednesday. No, <laughs> you'll have to that American one twice and again. You'll have to <laughs> ring again and hope to get a kinder person. Oh God, nah. I'd sooner do with those. Now be honest with you, Janine. Um, <laughs> oh my, my, God. my small little surf will do me. You know, the little one. You'll be grand unless you're travelling overseas, you know. Oh, no, and I won't be travelling overseas at all. Do you know the last time we spoke, you said to me that you were 50 years married at Christmas time and you couldn't go anywhere because of COVID. You said that when you got married back in the day, you never even went on a honeymoon. Were you supposed to go to Dublin or something? I was supposed to go to Dublin on the train (laughs) and up to a nice hotel and I just, I don't know what happened, I was just brought into the Lee Cinema. And uh, they didn't mother. want to leave me in because I was too young. They said I was too young, they would let me in. And was I it that you looked too young or you were too young? What was it? No, I looked younger. Well, we were only 19, but I still look younger, you know? <laughs> Even though I'm 79, I still look young. And how old did you have to be? <laughs> how old did you have to be to get into the Lee Cinema? I don't know. I, I really don't know, but you just didn't want me to go in. <laughs> and they showed me rings and everything. All I was short and was showing me another cert. <laughs> like it was it, did they think you were under 16 or something or 15 yeah. or 12 <laughs> yeah I'd say about 16 that's all I was anyway what did I say to you at the time oh you said call back but I didn't bother get back to you because of the COVID you couldn't go nowhere then and what did I say I'd do you said you'd give me a nice honeymoon Wait, I couldn't go now to Ibiza or Spain <laughs> I never said anything about Ibiza or Spain I said Killarney no, no. I'm only joking. Isn't, yeah. Ka- isn't Killarney one of your favourite places? Fabulous. I love that place. Okay. I live down there. Well, I got in touch with Tom Randalls, who's a, re- uh, who's a hotelier down in Killarney. He's a good friend of mine for many years. He's got two super hotels down there. One is called Randalls Court and the other is, mm. called, is called the Drum Hall. And oh, I was... No doubt, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. It's a fabulous, fab, two fabulous hotels right next to each other. And I was telling him his story Um and he said to me that he would love to... What's your husband's name? Timmy. Timmy was only 70 the other day. <laughs> he said that he would love to have you, Patricia, and Timmy down for a weekend break. And I said, don't go to too much trouble. He said, absolutely not. But it's a beautiful story. 50th wedding anniversary, not being able to go anywhere, not having had a honeymoon. They would love you to go down to Killarney. Not sure which of the two hotels just yet, but he's even going to upgrade you to a suite. Oh, my God. Me, you're the brilliant. You're a star. So, oh my God, you never let me down. So the, 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 the only thing here is that we have to find a weekend that suits you yeah. and suits them with their bookings. So 
I'm going to hand it over to the lads here and they can work out a booking that suits you and the hotel in Killarney, all right? Ah, Neil, you're very kind. So you have something very nice kind. to look forward to and a suite, oh, and I can tell you yeah. the suite is absolutely gorgeous. I can imagine it. I you, can imagine you'll it. never leave. And you can make up for what you didn't do on the honeymoon 50 years ago in the suite. Yeah, I'll have to get a bit of Viagra. Any Viagra chilling there? <laughs> you can go. Tell them go to the chemist. <laughs> Alright, so I'll be in touch oh, with you again. Thanks, Neil. Alright, take care, Bye. Patricia. That's sorted. We just need to work out the bits and pieces. And thank you to the great Tom Randalls for coming on board down at Randalls Court and the Drum Hall Hotel. He's been slagging me all weekend because it was down in Kerry at the weekend. He says, uh, he says, tough being a cork man in Kerry after that football performance. <laughs> You bet, says I. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And text your own story or thoughts to 0868-104-106. Neil, can you wish Betty Scannelly, or sorry, would, would you, can you wish Betty Scannell of Connolly Road a happy birthday today? She turns 86 today. She listened to you since day one and would love a mention. She's just after coming out of hospital. So happy birthday, Betty, from your daughter Mary and all of the family and all of us as well. Betty Scannell, 86 today. Happy birthday. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.